This, so I want to talk about you're bringing up old school CRT uh, TVs as well. So I got a funny story about that. I don't know if you guys remember the back in the day when you had to like hire a team of like four people to deliver one of those to your house because it was like set in this giant carved like out of wood giant just appliance. That was about the weight of a uh, refrigerator. Do you guys remember those days? Do you have, oh, you have, of course. Did yeah. your grandparents ever have TVs like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I broke one of those with my tiny toddler head when <laughs> you, I was when I was young. You just what? like walk up to I, it and headbutt it. I can, like, I couldn't tell you what happened. Like I just know what I just know what has been told to me, and it's that I ran into one head first, and I broke <laughs> it, and it never turned on, turned on ever again, and that's why the front of my hairline is so like not perfectly straight. Wait, because of that incident for real. Yeah, this is real. Yeah. So wait, did you, did you like bust your head on the? You, you broke the glass, like the glass on it. It didn't break, but it just turned off and never turned back on ever again. So I'd like to explore what? young Jack Zapata's mind for a minute. <laughs> uh, did you happen? I can't tell you anything about that day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> did did that hit make you forget everything? I don't know. I mean, it's what you're. I was so young, right? I, I don't think I could like. I had probably, probably had just like started walking, like probably. A, an amnesia causing like concussion. Yeah, yeah. But, the, every, but he just forgot everything up to that point. What's funny is I put two two and two together when I eventually grew up and we were watching TV, and we had a smaller, cheaper, crappier TV on top of the old TV that I broke. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was just sitting on top, and so I didn't even consider the bottom thing a TV because we never turned it on. It was just the thing that the other TV yeah, held the TV sat on top of, right? <laughs> yeah. The TV stand. <laughs> and also, guys, man, this is back in the day when um, the cable box oh this is gonna blow your guys mind the cable box i'm gonna try and describe this this is like before the days of remote controls remote controls did not exist at least not in my house mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe they did exist but they were just behind the times but in, to turn the channel you had to get up and next to the tv was this separate like beige box and i'm trying to describe it to you okay imagine there's like this line of numbers across the front one to like 50 okay and there's this one little switch with like an arrow pointing up and it's underneath the numbers okay and every time you slide it it goes click 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 oh god and and that's how you had to turn the channels (laughs) so if you wanted to go from like 35 to channel four you had to go (laughs) with the switch and move it dude isn't that unbelievable that is insane i can't even Colin's face right now (laughs) Grandpa, what's cable? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, totally. What is cable? <laughs> that thing that no one has anymore. And and this is also back in the days. Guys, listen to this. This is crazy too. Uh where HBO, HBO and having HBO on Cinemax was like a high class pinky up in the air kind of thing back then. And and HBO, like man, if your friends at HBO, they were like rich to you, at least in my neighborhood. And they would send a little pamphlet. I don't know, like maybe like six by six pamphlet, like every month they'd send it in the mail. And that's how you knew what was on when and on HBO, <laughs> you got the schedule mailed to you in the mail. So they mailed you a TV guide <laughs> just for HBO, just for HBO. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, speaking of yeah. TV guide, do you guys remember the TV guide channel? It, oh, like barely. We, yeah. That channel will just Dude, like, it's just a giant grid. Would just, it's like a table. Was, yeah. It was just scrolling and it would just tell you what's on in each channel constantly. And then it would show like shitty little previews in the little corner screen. Mm-hmm. And then cable came up and just came up with their own menus on screen. And it's like, and then it was all over TV guide. Yeah. Yep. It's over yeah. for those guys. And, and then Man, Netflix happened back in the day. Oof. Or dude, I'll never forget. I, I, any, okay. 
It's kind of out there reference, but any of you, either of you guys seen The Lost Boys, 80s vampire movie? Oh, yeah. I, I think I own it on Blu-ray, as a matter of fact. Dude. Love that movie. Dude, so good, though. So oh, good. Oh, yeah. Keeper so Sutherland at his finest. Dude, right? So, anyway, so I, I, I never, I'll never forget the scene where they're, they're, they go to their grandfather's house, their grandpa's house, and move in with them. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Jack, where the guy's like, yeah. so, uh, so you have a TV? You have a TV guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I like the TV guy. I like to read what's on, but I don't actually have a TV. I just like to read about the TV shows. <laughs> Dude, yeah. And that movie also had a great uh, appearance from the Corys in it. If you remember yes, that dynamic duo, Corey Ham and Corey Feldman, the '80s, the '80s, hold on, the power couple. Did, yeah. did we just jump from talking about TV guides to talking about Lost Boys just because of that <laughs> one little connection? Yeah, Colin. I mean, that's, that's kinda, a weak thread, but I'm willing to go yeah, there. It's, it's a very big okay, pull to to trace it back. We had that VHS in that cabinet <laughs> I was talking about. Robert, help us out, please, yes. with this show. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Tiny Disc Podcast. <laughs> A show about games and life. I'm Rob- and tangents. Yes, so many tangents. <laughs> uh, I'm Robert Scarpanito, and I'm joined here by Jack Cepeda. Hey, everybody. And Colin Sparling, the Lost Boy. Hashtag bring out Mushu back. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, and that too. I'm the Lost Boy. You, you are the one Lost Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Did they still put? Did they still put people's faces on milk cartons? Is that a thing? That's a good <laughs> question. Do they still have milk cartons? I don't know if I've seen milk <laughs> no. cartons anymore. Oh. I've never seen like. When it is a milk carton, it's usually like soy milk anymore, like silk. Do you guys do regular milk still? Yeah. yeah I do. You do, I do regular milk. milk like from cows? I do like whole, whole milk? milk. Yes. You, like in your cereal? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm Dude, I'm a milk purist, man. There's dude, no other milk other than whole. I've gone... Wow. I've, uh, I don't know. Something about milk has happened to me and I've gone purely to almond milk now. I can't have Ooh. regular milk. Are, are, you, good stuff. are you lactose? I like chocolate almond milk. Intolerant? I don't think so. I think I would know if I was. Mm. I, I mean, Dude, I have honestly, dairy all like, the time. Milk compared to milk is way healthier. When I do, but like if I want a milkshake or something like that, like obviously I want like whatever, you know, regular milk is there. But I'm just saying with my cereal now, something about just regular milk, just, I don't know, it like the smell of it now, it's something bad happened well, to my olfactories. What about other dairy products like yogurt, cheese? I love it. Love okay. it. Okay. Yeah. It's just milk. I don't know. I think, you know, I, man, I hate to gross people out, but I think I've just seen too many like tumors on like cow's udders and stuff. And I've seen too many of those PETA videos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it messes with me. Dude, you know, what's funny is like, you know, growing up, of course, like I drank a lot of milk growing up. My brother drank a lot of milk. My parents would always buy milk, always milk in the house. But never once did I ever see my parents actually consume milk. It was all for the kids to help them grow strong. I understand, <laughs> but it's like, it's just really weird. Like, as much milk as we buy, my parents never, ever drink it. How ever. do you know they didn't drink it? Maybe you just didn't see them. Well, I think, well, I know my dad is, like, not lactose intolerant, but kind of. Like, he can't eat ice cream without himself, like, having to be on the fucking toilet, like, an hour afterwards. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Way to publicly shame yeah. your old man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's move on from this oh i thought he was gonna delve into no, that I, little deeper. no i mean like we that's, that's, we just that's need all to there is there. to say bro for for mr sparling's sake i think we should just end it there <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys did you guys see spider-man mr. this weekend <laughs> no attempt to segue at all. Nope, no segue we're just we're just moving right on Dude, there is it just just to- we're soldiering forward yes I believe I believe we did we did see Spider Man, yes. 
I saw it. I did. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a movie. Yeah, during the summertime, it was a Marvel movie. Yeah, no, any any more it was a Marvel uh, movie? Any more details about that? <laughs> um, so nope. Let's yeah. move on by. I'm just yeah. Kidding. Okay, let's talk about milk <laughs> no. some more. Yeah, let's talk about milk. No, so like I, so my first, I think the coolest thing, like or one of the coolest starting, like the starting points of like Spider Man was like when just when they were rolling in before the movie even started when they were rolling in they were showing like the Marvel Studios sign and they were they were very careful about showing like all of the Avengers and like all the clips from all of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe to basically emphasize that now the Spider-Man movie is a part of the Marvel Universe Mm. and it's kind of in a way like a middle finger to Sony like ha we got it back (laughs) okay I I totally had a different experience for me from that at least because when the movie first started I mean you guys tell me if you saw the same thing or not like it was a massive black screen and giant logo, Sony logo, for like, it felt like 60 seconds. It felt like forever. Yeah, okay. So and it was sitting there. Let's clear this up. It's not necessarily that Marvel now owns Spider-Man again. Sony still owns the Spider-Man, like, right. license. Right, like sign off rights or something? Well, right? no, it's, something? it's there. They're now cooperating. Yeah, they're cooperating yeah. with Marvel. So they know, like, because they know Marvel can do way more with Spider-Man, especially because they have this huge MCU now, that no matter how many reboots Sony does, it'll probably never do as well as a Marvel Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like that political red tape that has really kept Spider-Man away from the X-Men, the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, he would have been w- integrated in this way sooner, you know, had it not been for just this, these legal issues kind of going on between studios. So back to kind of what I was saying. It's, so they made a huge emphasis. I felt like this must have been like going back and forth between the lawyers. Like how long is the logo going to show up? Where is it going to show up? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So Sony was huge on it. And then that kind of faded out or, or zoomed in. And then it showed Columbia. And then at the bottom of it, again, it said a Sony company. Like for some reason, this really stood out to me how they were rolling this out here. Cause this is kind of a momentous movie where Spider-Man is finally, you know, officially joining. Yeah. I, I guess he did it in civil war, right. but this is really his own thing, you know? So, so this was a momentous occasion, this film. And then, you know, they had a little bit of the movie. They had kind of the prologue, um, to the story and setting the stage for the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of where well, the scene you were describing, Colin comes in where they really, really leaned in real hard on that Marvel logo and showing all the Avengers and everything like that. Is, is that what you guys saw too? Or, yeah. 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 I mean, we saw that too, but I, I wasn't, when I was watching the beginning, I wasn't into the whole like Sony v Marvel like political clash. You know, I, for me, yeah. it was just like it's nice finally that we're getting like this is a reality now. Um, so for yeah, for the it's... sake of this part of the podcast, I don't think we should spoil the movie yet. Um, so I, I guess we could just give like an overall thought. Like, would you recommend it to someone else to go see it? Um, yes. I I mean yeah I would I would recommend the movie for sure like and I'm not someone who I'm probably the least well versed in the Marvel uh, cinematic universe than anyone in this podcast uh, and honestly I, I more than anything I'm just a big Spider Man fan not really so much like superhero movie fan I just I love Spider Man grew up on Spider Man and of course like I was like what five years old when the first Tobey Maguire movie dropped and I was all about it. <laughs> Yeah. Like I had like I went into the theater. I was wearing my Spider Man T shirt. Had like Spider Man hanging upside <laughs> down on it. it. Was pretty dope. Um, and so like I was super stoked to like finally see Marvel like get a grasp on Spider Man and finally do what the hell they want with him instead of you know Sony kind of running in circles and kind of spinning their tires as to what to do with him. Um, you know, i.e. the Amazing Spider Man Two. Mm. Um, yeah. 
but overall, yeah, like it's definitely one of the best superhero movies. Oh yeah, I would go as far as saying it was one of the best superhero movies I've seen. Mm. Definitely, like I think the last one I really, really, really liked was, uh, I think Thor. I really like Thor. Like the the first uh, one, the first one. Yeah. I I haven't I actually haven't seen the second one. Believe it or not. Good. Um, no. from what I really heard. from what oh, I've heard. Come on, no, no, I've seen it. It's not bad. Not that bad. It's not bad. Okay. No. Uh, well, no. I mean, because I, honestly, I just like it because it's more fantastical than it is like superhero movie ish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so but anyway, yeah. So Jack, what yeah. about what about you? Would would you recommend okay. it? We should also say here at the top that at the end of this podcast, we are going to go full in and do a full Spider-Man Homecoming uh, spoiler cast. So look forward to that. That'll be uh, that'll be at the end of the podcast, obviously. So you won't have to worry about uh, us dropping any spoilers here during the regular episode. So look for that. Uh, I will say this and I can kind of, you know, state it very succinctly and that I was not looking forward to this movie. I thought it looked dumb. I thought the casting was stupid. I just was I felt so sick of being fooled into thinking that a Spider-Man movie could be good. And then, you know, with what ended up happening, it's the most rebooted superhero franchise that I can think of. And just, you know, it has the lowest hit rate, in my opinion. So I was down on this movie. But then after hearing from several people that it was really worth it, I still haven't even looked at the Metacritic score or the Rotten Tomato score. I'm sure they're pretty high. But uh, I was not positive on it going into it. And I came out thinking this is a good uh, superhero movie for the summertime. So I could definitely see myself recommending this movie to watch at least once. Just to have a good time. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? Mm-hmm. So... Um, it seemed like in this in the movie they I don't know if this is like a spoiler, but they do reference like Civil War quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which so makes like sense. is it okay? Yeah, that makes sense. So th- this takes place after the events of Civil War, then. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So would it be worth it to go back and watch Civil War? Is it a decent enough movie? Uh, I, yeah, I think I've seen it recently. I think it. I think it's a great movie. Um, yeah. Uh, well, okay. do you do you know what happens in Civil War? Are you aware of the Marvel Civil War? Um, I know it's like Iron Man v Captain America. Something happens. Blah 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 blah. Okay. They fight and then they make up at the end. Okay. Yeah, I've heard the film is good. I haven't seen it myself, but like, oh, it's, okay. it's definitely worth watching if you don't know what happens or you don't get like the full gist of what's going on there. Because it definitely like mm-hmm. if you don't know what happened, um, like you'll see Spider-Man homecoming very differently. Like the stuff behind the scenes, you'll see it very differently than um, if you do know what's going on. I think it's much more rewarding if you see civil war first. Uh, If you have a choice and if you're going to watch Spider-Man and you haven't seen civil war already, I would definitely recommend to watch it. I think it's on Netflix still anyways. Um, Civil war is. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to see any other movies. Do I need to see like any other movies leading up to civil war? I mean, it's a whole like All continuum. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of rewarding the audience for watching all of them in some well, small I way, saw, somewhere all the way. Well, I saw Avengers one and two, sort of, I guess, but like <laughs> like half asleep. I'm very surprised that you're not into this Marvel Cinematic Universe at all. But I, you I had know, three dude, like Dragon just... Ball Z VHSs. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. Know, it just doesn't add up to me. I just it just kind of fell off for me. Like I I I saw Thor when it came out. I saw Captain America, and oh man, what was the last? I mean, oh, I saw. I thought he said cats in America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw cats in America. You know that famous Marvel film. 
from uh, the sequel to the Aristocats. Yeah, <laughs> Cats and Amarika. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, like what was the last one? Like I saw the Wolverine. I'm trying to remember the very. I mean, I well, saw. Uh, yeah, I saw well, Avengers Part Two. Yeah, I think it was the last one I saw. So I think it's also worth pointing out that Wolverine isn't part. Like I mean, Wolverine is in the Marvel universe, but the Wolverine movies, like Logan and stuff, they're not part of the MCU. Yeah, I have nothing to do with right, that. Yeah. Right, right. Because right. that's all Fox, if I remember right. I, yeah, but I didn't see like Ant Man or like Iron Man two and three or any of that. Like I didn't see that. You got a lot so. of catching up to do. I think there's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, obviously not everything is rock solid ten out of ten, but I think overall, by and large, it's very entertaining, especially when compared to DC's uh, movies. <laughs> yeah. Green Lantern. I think. I think it's because like. I think it's because they. I found them to kind of get repetitive. I think is the thing because like, like uh, like Iron Man or like all that stuff. It kind of seemed like to follow the same formula, you know, and it had like the same quippy humor and it like it, it's cool. But I I don't know. I think at the time it just kind of lost its luster on me. That's why I, I don't fell see. Out of it. I'm sure there are some people out there that could watch all these movies back to back. I couldn't do that. So I know what you mean. Like yeah, certainly yeah. repetition, a certain rhythm definitely yeah you know, so is, i think i was just tired there. out of them if anything so maybe i will go back and just try to watch them all if i can but back to focus to on yeah just to focus on spider-man if you watch civil war first you will be rewarded for that when you watch spider-man right, right. and you'll be right a on. little bit you'll just get a little less out of the movie you know if, if you don't it's still totally watchable it's just you won't be like oh yeah <laughs> a couple times so i think let's save the rest of the spider-man talk for the way end of this podcast because i feel like uh any talk we do now will just be beating around the bush, you know? Um, so, Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, again, if you have seen the movie or just you don't care about spoilers, feel free to tune in at the end of the podcast if you want to hear more about our real succinct, real thoughts of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, but for now, I think we can talk about uh, another kind of big, uh, you know, nerdy uh, TV show movie franchise that kind of dropped over the weekend. Uh, we can take a look at Netflix's take on Castlevania. Have you guys? Yes. Yes. Have you guys gotten a chance to look yes. at that? It totally. Yes, I f- oh, go ahead, Colin. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I liked enough to uh, just I finished it all in one uh, sitting. So. I found it quite intriguing. I was I was pretty hooked. Like the the first episode, I was actually very surprised at like the quality of the voice acting. It was very nuanced. A lot of like a lot of I don't know. I thought there was a lot of motion there. Um, and I think that was because they casted like a lot of like a list actors and stuff to do the voice acting. Uh, so I e Richard Armitage. Um, I don't know. Like it's the animation was very well done. It was uh very way more gory and violent than i thought it was going to be which yeah i'm but i'm definitely not gonna yeah i'm definitely not gonna like i'm all for that like it was caught me off guard but i was like hell yeah like gimme gimme like i'm all for that um and you definitely uh feel dracula's wrath and shit all hell breaks loose quite literally so i was pretty i was pretty happy with it yeah jack uh you only saw you didn't see the whole thing yet right from my understanding yeah, the whole thing. I mean, it's essentially, and I kind of mean this as a sick burn, but it's essentially one movie that they kind of milked and split up into four different parts to call them episodes, to call this a series. But essentially, I you're getting about an hour and a half to hour forty five minutes of content, right? Yeah. So I, I think, saw the first. I, I, the I feeling, saw the first yeah. half hour of it, basically. So the first episode. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I think I think they just kind of I feel like they did that sort of thing just to kind of do like a test of wa- test the waters type deal to see how it would be received. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to like fully commit to like doing an entire I don't know what like 13 14 episode season or something like that and I mean I could like, see like I see where you're coming from but they also released the, they announced season two the day they released season one like not even waiting for reviews to really come back or like that's see fair. how well it does on Netflix yeah. how many views it gets so I don't think they're trying to test the waters because if you're testing the waters you don't already have season two like announced yeah to people yeah that's that's fair i don't know that was kind of what i was theorizing ahead but I, you're, yeah you are right so i'm not entirely sure what their what their ideology is going it's to into milk this. it to call it a series that's yeah. exactly what it is i think well, just like, oh this isn't the castlevania movie but it's a like, it's good so far i it's uh way higher quality i guess than i was expecting and i'm psyched now to see an anime slash video game kind of crossover that is this successful on Netflix. This, I mean, if you guys can think of another one, like an original series based on a video game from Netflix, let me know. But as far as I know, this is the first, and it's kind of setting a very cool precedent for what could possibly be. This is setting the template for how to, you know, translate video games into into streaming services. I think what what cool. makes this what makes this so good too is that it was written by Warren Ellis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's a yes, very I, famous I've comic heard book. about him. Yeah. yeah, very famous comic book writer. Uh, he wrote Transmetropolitan if you guys have heard of that. Um so he actually sat down with Koji Igarashi, you know, the the man behind oh, yeah. Castlevania, you know, basically Dracula himself if you take a look at a picture of him. Iga. Um, yeah, good old Iga. They actually sat down together and I mean Warren worked on most of the story, but he'd he'd still, you know, work with Iga and make sure, you know, like, you know, oh yeah, like he'd you know, he'd make sure that it was still in the Castlevania lore, you know what I mean? It's not like he'll take a Belmont and be like, So what if he found a gun? And what if this was a shooter? You know, like you know, he he tried yeah, to make yeah. it in the Castlevania universe and he double checked with the like the one best authority figure for what he- Castlevania hear me out. is. Hear me out, Iga. It's it's Castlevania, right? So it's Dracula, but it's World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> Just hear me out. It's, it'll make millions. Yeah, yeah. Dracula on D, on the boats during D Day at Normandy. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Dracula in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah Dracula Two Electric Boogaloo. It, right. Guys, let us not forget there is is there not a Zelda series in the works for Netflix as well? Is that, that was. Yeah, Dude, that was talked about for last it's been year. rumored forever okay. though. Yeah. Well, I know the guy oh. I know the guy who directed for Castlevania, he's also now working on an Assassin's Creed anime for Netflix. Ah. Uh, yeah. Nah. I mean, I'm okay. That's, that's I'm good. Um There's too much Assassin's Creed everywhere. Ugh. Hey, so can we talk about the first like 5 minutes of Castlevania? Yeah, sure. Of course. Okay, so Okay, so her name's Liz, right? The uh, the female kind of you think she's gonna be the protagonist in the film, and she basically steps to Dracula, right? And it's just like, hey, I'm not a normal human. I'm not scared of you. Kind of giving him some sass, making him think twice, and then Dracula kind of takes a liking to her, and I, and then he like shows her all these cool tools and stuff to to help people and help humanity and cure disease and and have scientific breakthroughs and all this stuff. And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, what is this crap? The Castlevania, this is like a feel-good, like, is this Buddy Dracula? Like, the anime? Like, what's going on here? Like, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that to be such a feel-good kind of, you know, intro to it. I was like, wait a second. So where are they going with this? Okay, and then basically in a snap, they kind of, uh, I I guess I shouldn't say exactly what happens, but they, like, they yank that whole... uh, 
theme from you and you're like nope it isn't that kind of show this is actually going to be some of the most messed up game of thronesy kind of stuff that we can think of so i was like oh all right well i guess i'd rather have it that way but it was just very jarring to me and just unexpected but it 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 made the uh it made the events even that much more tragic and it kind of had you sympathizing for dracula a little bit at least me right yeah, and yeah, for sure. I agree with that. They make him, they set him up to be not just, ooh, Dracula, can't wait till he's dead, and then, you know, you win the game. It, it's more of a, like, you understand what kind of villain he is and where he's coming from. Uh, which yeah, I, you definitely get a feel for his motivation, yeah. Right, and it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the voice acting done for Dracula was very well done in that whole first episode. You know, I think you could feel a lot of the emotion behind what Dracula would be feeling at that point which is a sense I never yes. thought I'd say. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was pretty solidly well done. But, okay, so so I've seen all of it like Colin did. I saw all of it right. in one sitting, like a movie. And I'm going to be honest, there were a lot of parts where I felt like I was soldiering on rather than enjoying the ride. Like slow parts really? coming up? The slow parts, but also just like I didn't care what was going to happen. Um, I mean, I don't want to say too much, right? Cause I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I, I like, I'm glad that it happened and I think it's setting a good precedent as Jack said for like what Netflix can do to bring video games more to a mainstream audience and video game stories. Um, I just hope that they step up their game for season two. I really hope they step it up a lot. What did you think? Mm-hmm. Colin? Um, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, cause I wasn't really going like in with any sort of like expectations really. Like I just heard it, like I just heard some trusted reviewers that I like say it was, it was pretty damn good. So I was like, okay. So I went in and I was, and like, I was kind of like you Jack where I was like, is this kind of like the vibe they're going for? Cause I was like, oh, this doesn't really feel like Castlevania. And then they're like, they're like, nope, pull the rug out from under your feet. I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. There it is. And yeah, I, I see what you did there. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, I kind of like the whole tone throughout, but I was, I was, I will say though, like I was very taken by the chemistry between uh, Dracula and uh, Lisa, Lisa Tepesh. Is that her name? I keep forgetting it. Um, like the chemistry between their characters was like very mesmerizing even for i mean shit it was a better love story than twilight within like the first four <laughs> minutes of castlevania than they're you know throughout that entire series um <laughs> nice nice but yeah i thought that was really impressive in like the part where they're like and the, uh like burning her at the stake or whatever and she's like hey don't you know don't hurt them and blah 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 that they don't know what they're doing and i was like okay yeah this is this this is this is pretty rough it's pretty dark stuff they're, they're messing with here mm-hmm. and honestly the first episode is like damn dark throughout the entire episode it's pretty bleak bro it's like it okay. sets the stage it gives you dracula's really origin does. story of like why are the castlevania games the way they are yeah it was a great prequel yeah. to the whole series which co- goes all the way back to either the 80s or the early 90s. I mean, all the back, all the way back to NES days. Mm-hmm. Um, right. One it, thing I will say is at the end of the first episode, uh, you get introduced to a major, major character in the protagonist in the Castlevania video game series. And I I thought it served as a great uh, cliffhanger to the next episode. So I'm, I am looking forward very much to watching the rest of the series, uh, especially based on that first episode and the cliffhanger and all around. It was a very good surprise. And it, again, it just made me 
think positively of like the possibilities of what could happen. Now that I hear that Assassin's Creed is being made next, I just think that's not for me at all. I'm not interested in that at all. I don't care what they do. But but yeah. just to kind of think about it, um, I don't know if we want to talk about it yet, but later in the podcast, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Overwatch, but they recently came out with a anime kind of intro uh, for a character, and I thought that turned out really well. So yeah. anime and video games you know, used to be kind of questionable, but I think uh, people are stepping up their game. So. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like next week or something, Jack, if you watch the rest of um, Netflix Castlevania, maybe we can do a spoiler cast on that or something cool. and actually kind of get some good discussion on that. Uh, I plan on watching it on the plane. Oh, okay. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, move on to a whole different thing. Uh, instead of talking about TV shows about video games, let's talk about actual video games. So last week, Summer Games Done Quick uh, ran for the whole week. For those of you who don't know, it's a giant marathon, a week-long marathon of people who speedrun games, and they're all volunteers. Um, and they speedrun games and you know raise money for charity. This uh, this year, they decided to donate to Doctors Without Borders, and they raised about one point seven six million dollars. And you know, this is wow. just seven days of people speedrunning all kinds of games you know and it's pretty much 24 7 isn't it pretty much yeah uh you know they're speedrunning games like Mega Man, dark souls um final fantasy games things of that nature um they they even did a legend a couple legend of zelda games too i think they did a majora's mask one and a breath of the wild run you know all kinds of games like there's there's at least one game that you're gonna really really care about seeing and just a little 101 as well. When we say speed run a video game, what that term basically means is kind of how it sounds is they take, let's say, Super Mario Brothers, for instance, and they try and beat it in the absolute fastest humanly possible way. And I think the record for Super Mario Brothers is something like four minutes, 16 seconds, something ridiculous like that uh, from beginning to end. And then there also are sometimes some stipulations in the world of speed running where sometimes they'll allow glitches to be used because you know they'll kind of um exploit the code of the game and really go into it to kind of trick the game into thinking that it's doing something it shouldn't be doing and so that way they use that to their advantage to beat it faster um sometimes there are no glitches so it's just a straight playthrough like how anyone would play it and then sometimes there's like a computer ai assisted run throughs as well where they program a computer to put in the inputs as fast as possible and they have races that way too so it's very interesting world very deep world and i just started getting into it recently in the last two three years when they started doing these summer games done quick and they do it i want to say like twice a year yeah i think they'll have these and it's just a bunch of nerds from all over the world in a hotel room playing games for like a week straight it's awesome and they're doing it all in the name of charity and and these are and these are like world-class like world record holding speedrunners that are doing this it basically took over twitch it takes over twitch whenever it's on and mm-hmm. it's just really fun i just kind of boop in and boop out and just kind of see what's out there i don't really pay attention to the schedule that much for me it's more just about the uh ephemeral nature of it it's here and now it's gone you know yeah and if you want to watch speedrun you got to catch it if you've ever seen I don't maybe you guys can talk about some of your favorite speedruns. But if you have ever seen anyone speedrun Super Mario 64, it is incredible. Oh yeah. It makes you think you've never played that game before in your life because the game they're playing is a completely different game than what the public is playing. And the way Mario's yeah, moving, the way they use his acrobatics, all his uh all his uh mechanics is just mind-blowing. It it really like just 
oh, I, I can't really say anything. You just have to watch what people can do with that game. Yeah. It's awesome. I actually saw um, at Summer Games Done Quick this year, I catched, uh, or I caught, wow, I caught a Super Mario 64 uh, speed run. And uh, the rule was to get all what all 120 stars. It was a speed run for yeah. that. And I think I caught some of that too, yeah. Yeah, hour and 40 minutes, hour 50 minutes <laughs> for all one, That's every single star in Mario 64. Yeah, they do it the most efficient way possible. I mean, they've been plugging away at this game since, for what, 21 years now? Yeah. How old yeah. is that game? Oof, like, it's old enough to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so awesome. So yeah, talk about if you I, guys have any speed running, running memories or games that you'd like to see speed run. So I think one of the craziest ones, one of the first like notable ones that I remember seeing was I think some guy, uh, he did a live stream and he speed ran uh, Ocarina of Time. Those are but good. He, he 100%ed it in under under four hours. Jeez. Wow. I think is what it was. 100%ed it. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. He got every single item, did every single dungeon, did wow. every single side quest, like like it's so how yeah did, like, you, did he, he smack like every he single doing, chicken in the face <laughs> yeah exactly but like he did he ran sideways and backflipped everywhere because it's faster it's, it's, faster. And it's like a few yeah, it is faster. because it's like a few frames faster and you'll get across the same distance in maybe like half a second faster so they'll just do that the whole game and extrapolate that yeah. and shave you know 15 minutes maybe off of their time by just walking sideways it's insane what people have d- done with these games mm-hmm. it's so cool yeah, meanwhile all, all the people watching are probably have like the stream muted because all yours the whole game for fucking four hours it's cool too because these guys they sit down on a couch and they do their thing and they don't stop they don't get up this is a race against the clock yeah so they sit down with a blank game save and then just run 100 percent uh, uh, Ocarina of Time in four hours. It's so cool to watch. Like, how many times do you need to play through a damn game to get like to get like that? seriously? Like, that has to be like your game. That's all you have. That's your one game that you speed run, and that's what you do now. To, to pull it's, up a it, Jackism, it's Hobby Grade. Yeah, Robert, don't credit that to me. I didn't make that term up. I mean, Hobby Grade has been around. I don't want. I don't want that on my tombstone. Man. <laughs> Jack Zapata, Hobby Grade. Oh gosh, <laughs> he lived a Hobby Grade kind of life. Oh man, no. Please no. That's what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So like when you get when you get a game like VGA graded, there's like the 80s, the 90s, like very high graded. But like when it's 100, it's hobby grade. Oh, please hobby no. Grade collecting. <laughs> oh, nah. Um, yeah. So have you guys ever seen um, like one? Are you guys fans of Mega Man and Mega Man X? I was just going to say Mega Man X has some Mega great Man, speed Mega runs Man. too. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I have two in particular that happened this summer games quick that I was like mesmerized by. So one they had, uh, they did a speed run and it wasn't just a speed run, but it was a race speed run. So you had four I love pe- those. Right. You have four people playing it at once and you see all of their gameplay on the screen at once. And it's all of them racing to get to the end, to beat all the bosses and to beat Sigma. I think they did that for. Um, I mean, they did it for both X2 and X3, I want to say, this this year. If not more, I didn't tune into all of the Mega Man X stuff because they had a lot of Mega Man X stuff. Um, so, yeah, watching that race was really cool because I think it's like that epitome of like, it's not just, uh, wow, look how fast they do it. But it's like, look at how much effort they've put in um, to shave off as much time as they can and see yeah. how that compares to other people's efforts. You know, like it yeah. shows a real difference in um, how good people can get. It's so cool. And another component of uh, 
Summer Games done quick, that is um, probably something we should mention, is that the whole time this is happening as well, there are people, there are contests going on, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people watching at one any given time, and there's also hundreds, if not thousands of people that are giving in donations to uh, this year, Doctors Without Borders. So you'll, you'll hear people kind of read comments of uh, donators and how much the amounts are coming in, and I think it should be um, kind of celebrated as well that Notch, the uh, developer of uh, Minecraft, who uh, used to run and was a CEO of Mojang and everything, uh, he would call in a couple times during the whole week and he would donate $10,000 a clip. And yeah. I thought that was really cool of him to do. So, you know, you'll hear uh, uh, about like giant, massive um, uh, donations coming in. It's just really cool atmosphere. It just really kind of shows like the power of when the community comes together, like all the good they can do. Mm-hmm. I agree. I uh, think, go ahead, Colin. No, I was gonna say, oh, that like the coolest uh, speed run experience that I've had by far though was uh, like when I walked into Warp Zone, which is a <laughs> local game store, and uh, this dude walks in, and I, I think I've told you guys this story before, um, but this dude walks in and he's like, "Yo, man, you guys got a copy of Mega Man 2? and he's like, "Yeah, man, of course," and he's like, "All right, I can beat it right now, twelve minutes, <laughs> good for no you, dance. man." <laughs> And Darren's like, all right, I'm willing to test that. So he whips out a cartridge and he, blow, he blows in the cartridge, tosses it in his console, throws it up on the big 70-inch TV, and hands him the controller. And I watch this dude play through all of Mega Man 2 without dying once. That's insane. No continues, no deaths, beat it in under 12 minutes. Not, I timed it. I've never timed it before. I'm not trying to brag, but I can do that too. I've never timed it before, but I can beat that game in like one sitting really? also the probably the closest i ever got to speed running i wasn't doing this like on purpose like i was just trying to test myself really I, this is before like i ever was conscious of a speed running thing but super mario brothers 3 from beginning to end definitely using the warp whistles by the way like not you know not trying to say i play the whole game through but definitely just um straight lining it a to b uh i was down to i want to say 15 minutes with That's super mario bad. brothers 3 it's really yeah. cool so that was back when i was good at video games so I think probably the my favorite speed run though that I saw at Summer Games on Quick this year was their speed run of Mega Man X six. Um, oh wow! Yeah, because what what they do um, the speedrunners usually what they do in those uh, marathons is not only are they playing the game but they usually have them and some commentators or like friends of theirs also in the speedrun community kind of talk about like what glitch they're using or like how they're exploiting this system. You know, they usually kind of try to give you the theory behind how they're doing these things. Um, just so you kind of understand what's happening on the screen. And I, you know, I have memories of like being a kid and trying to play through all those Mega Man games. And, you know, it's like, they're hard games, you know, they're not easy, you know, platforming is very tight and, you know, like it's easy to die and all that stuff. Especially the first Mega Man is actually a bad game. Yes. Um, but no, with X6, because I, I played that game a lot, and I remember having a lot of trouble with some of the bosses, and just seeing this guy destroy bosses literally in a second Yeah, for some bosses. Like, that's insane to me. Um, like, apparently there's this glitch where one of the bosses gives you this power where you can put up a shield in front of you, and if you put that shield inside of a boss, like if you stand so that the, the shield frame is inside the frames of the boss, and then you use zero saber every unique frame of the saber will count as a hit oh wow yeah so it's just like one swing melts a boss away and i was like in 
all the hours I pumped into X6, I've never run into that. And the fact that, you know, these people have tested that over and over, like tested all kinds of things. Let's, let's be, let's be honest. That probably isn't the only strategy that's out there. You know, there are countless other, not, yeah. yeah, countless yeah. other strategies that have been used to like see which one's the best. And apparently at summer games on quick, that's the fastest way to kill most bosses, which is just, it's insane. Wow. Yeah. In the last couple years, they have just recently found new glitches in super Mario world, which was released in 1991. People are still hammering at that game. They found ways of like, it, I can't even really go into it, but where you're in one of the early levels and depending on what enemies you hit, and what shells you pick up and where you put them down and where you throw them up in the air, you're actually um, changing the contents that are in the actual RAM in the cartridge itself. What? <laughs> to glitch. What? Yeah. You're actually like augmenting the RAM of the code and everything and, and it will glitch out to like the last level. But again, you have to like hit certain enemies, certain places, put shells down throw things up in the air you know make yoshi jump it, it, like in this crazy order and if you do it very specifically you glitch the game and it like taking you all the way to the last level it's insane it's on youtube it's awesome holy crap <laughs> that's yeah. insane yeah and it's I and again this games. game is almost 30 years old and they're just now finding the stuff still it's so cool mm-hmm. yeah so i think just to wrap up this part of the thing i think it's um it's just really cool whenever people come together to do this because i mean even if you're not interested in speed running right like this is just a very cool thing that happens in the game community you know like not often can you say because of video games we helped raise more almost two million dollars for charity yeah you know that's super cool yeah it's like the jerry lewis telethon for nerds yeah like i I honestly think it'd be fun and entertaining for people to watch even that don't play video games yeah i really do i I just think it's it's just a very unique event and it happens twice a year so i think the next one will be during winter and i'm definitely looking forward to it yeah i think and i I think like speedrunning too i mean it gives like a really good purpose for speedrunning and stuff too because like before i was like yeah speedrunning is like really cool but like other than maybe like youtube subscribers and stuff like that like what do people gain from speedrunning other than like bragging rights? Like, I don't know. I never thought it was like, uh, thought of it as like a, like a crazy thing that you could get, like be lucrative off of or something like pe- make money off of, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but you know, you say that. And then I'm thinking about, there were some YouTube videos that I've watched where people will break world records and like, just like break down, start crying. Mm-hmm. Like in tears of joy because yeah, no, like no, they've no, worked yeah, their like, whole life towards this. It's crazy. It's like an Olympic right. athlete. Like you don't make any money as an Olympic athlete. You know, but you put your whole mind, body, and soul into one purpose. You know, it's awesome to see it turn out. Yeah. No, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, seeing people achieving those goals is always great, of course. Mm-hmm. So speaking of achieving goals, Colin, um, <laughs> you mentioned... Hashtag goals. <laughs> hashtag goals. Hashtag, hashtag squad goals. Uh, Colin, you told us that you have a little fun collecting story that you wanted to share, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Well... I mean, it's not it's not too crazy of a story, but uh, last week, you know, when I was on vacation, you know, I, I wasn't exactly sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. Okay, maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, so I, I took a, a, a little small self trip out to Indianapolis, Indiana, beautiful city, had myself, uh, you know, stayed in a fancy hotel, had myself a nice dinner. But of course, inevitably, while I was there, before I had to, I, I left, I had to find somewhere to buy games. I understand. I understand the need. Yeah exactly of course i was scra- i was trying to scratch that itch but at the same time i didn't want to leave the city so it's kind of slim pickings in terms of like game stores so of course i went to a GameStop. i know kill me right <laughs> classic but uh classic. yeah 
I know, but so, but here's the thing about GameStop though: is most GameStops are you know they're on the way out with the 360 and the PS3 games. They're liquidating a lot of stuff, so you can find a lot of good stuff on clearance. So that's why I usually do check GameStops if they're around, so because sometimes you get lucky. Um, so I went to uh the what, what's it called the the Center Mall in downtown Indianapolis there, and it's like this big mall, dude. It's like three or four floors, and like it's all. But the cool thing is, it's all in like the shape of a like like circles are like it's like circular at one end and then you there's like a big long hallway that's full of stores and then it's circular at another end um and so like i found the GameStop there and went in and it wasn't it wasn't a bad GameStop. they had an excessive amount of like pop vinyl figures just like a whole wall's worth of them hmm. just a, like a stupid amount of pop vinyl figures well, yeah GameStop like, is i'm like pushing those down you know the, it's like it's gaming merch well, yeah ever since they they got a what is it they they bought out was it think geek that they bought maybe I think it was Think Geek, um, but ever since they bought that out, they basically become half a hot topic. <laughs> I mean, and like the basically shitty it. half too. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fair. Wait, there's a good um, half though. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I find some stuff there, a hot but, topic every once in a while. But GameStop sucks. Okay, bottom line. <laughs> yeah, GameStop, whatever. So you know, I was bargaining shopping. They had a couple of good things. They had uh, some stuff that I never usually see. They had. Uh, Dude, they had Bayonetta. I found the Bayonetta 2, but like uh, for the Wii U, but it came with Bayonetta 1. Mm, that's hard to find, used. dude. Yeah, with Bayonetta 1, and it was used, and I got really excited because so there was two copies of it, right? And I looked at the first one, and it said 20 bucks on it. And wow. I was like, what? This thing is going for like over $50 fucking dollars on yeah. eBay right now. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wait. So there's another copy next to it. I pulled it out, and it was the one with the actual like other disc in it, <laughs> and it said fifty bucks. I was like, sure, damn it, sure, oh. yeah. And then uh, you know what? I was like, gonna play a game there that where Robert and I guessed how much that was. I was gonna say forty five, but we didn't get there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's fifty. Sorry, bud. That's okay. Um, anyway, so like I, I went through bargain bins and I found uh, oh, what was the thing? I bought uh, Tales of Graces F. Oh, is what I got. Oh, yeah, Tales of Graces F for the PS3. And uh, they had it there for twenty bucks, and that game usually goes for. I've seen it go from twenty five to like thirty dollars in other stores. I was like, mm, twenty bucks, all right, I'll snag it. Um, and then there, of course, I also hit up Hot Top. I got some, got, got myself some gaming merch. Got a new PlayStation hat and all that. Classy. Um, yeah. Um, and then when I got back home from Indianapolis, uh, my hometown has a Family Video, which is a rental store. I don't know if we even have that around here. I've seen them around. And, yeah, there's there's some in Columbus. Yeah, is there some in Texas? I haven't seen a family video here, no. I barely see a red box here. Okay. So, like, I guess, because I, I was actually talking to the lady there, and I was like, so family video, like, how is this still a thing with, like, Netflix and yeah. all that? And she's like, she's like, well, like, we're the, we're the only, like, brick and mortar, like, movie and game rental store left in the nation. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. I'm like, oh, my What's God. What's their secret? Crazy. How do they do it? I don't know. Like... I, I don't know like what it is. They don't do anything that's really that special. Like nothing that blows my mind. Hmm. Well, so, to be fair, the fact that it still exists kind of blows my mind. That's 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 true. I guess it, it makes it kind of a novelty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like now, right next to like every little Caesars in the country. Like maybe <laughs> maybe we'll, that's true. Maybe we'll see a hipster resurgence where you know like I don't pay for Netflix. I rent my movies because it's cool. <laughs> you know. VHS. I mean, Blu-rays look a lot better than streaming movies. Fair. I, <clears> I mean, consider you know instead of vinyls, it's rentals. Like, that's yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. the new. It's, the new it's all just a matter of time, new, gentlemen. Yeah. Just a matter yeah. of time. <laughs> We're just ahead of the curve. Time. 
Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I don't mind renting movies. It's not. It's not a bad thing, especially since I live right down the road from it. It's it's no big deal right. to return the movies after you're done with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I passed by there, uh, and I was actually like driving back to my house from Indianapolis, and they had up in the big billboard this it said, "Buy one get one half off for all games." I'm like, "Are you serious?" So I went back home. Uh, and hung out for a while then i was like all right it's it's eating at me too much so i ended up going down there i was like i'll just see what they got it's fine probably won't pick up too much walk out with like four games <laughs> <laughs> what did you get um so i walked in there they had it was i just went through their the ps3 section mainly they i got a blur split second okay. yakuza dead souls okay and armored core four okay and so each of them, each of them were marked for ten bucks. So that means I get, you know, I got one for ten, one for five, one for ten, one for five. Mm-hmm. So the most notable one was Blur because Blur goes for twenty dollars, twenty plus dollars. Which uh, Blur is a really cool game because it's actually basically like a grown up version of Mario Kart. Yeah, it's made by B- it's like, Bizarre Creations, the developer that uh, made uh, Project Gotham Racing, and then also made. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and then also made uh, what was the launch game Xbox 360 Project Gotham Racing? Yeah, that's what it was. Duh. Yeah. So yeah, they made that, and then they went out and made Blur, and it, like you said, it's like a kind of futuristic adult Mario Kart because there's like weapons and power ups and stuff with yeah, like it, a Chevy Camaro. <laughs> Really yeah weird. i heard it's a hell of a fun game and that's the thing like I, i've been kind of getting a little yeah and like i've been getting more into like and i think that's why because it's a little bit pricier because it's kind of like not really high in demand but it's it's kind of collectible like a lot of people like to pick that one up yeah and my so it's uh, staying pretty steady at 20 bucks yeah in my physical media days i i had it in my collection too it's a cool game yeah i'm i i haven't gotten to play it yet but it seems pretty cool and i also got uh split second which is like this action racing game that's actually developed by disney interactive believe it or not oh, yeah but it's so like the whole fo- focal point of it is like you're driving you know super fast cars through like action set pieces that you would see in movies like i'm talking like fast and the furious style like oh god this plane is crashing towards me better yeah. you know hurry up and speed up underneath of it and then you like you look in your rear view and it's just like blowing up everywhere and then the next lap you have to like drive through the airplane things like that like there's dynamic right yeah, track evolution and i remember one feature of split second as well was they kind of took uh cliff notes from dead space believe it or not where with the uh ui Remember how in Dead Space you could see everything? Everything was communicated to you oh, by watching yeah. the dude's suit yeah, 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 and like yeah. his life. So that's kind of like this with the cars, like the speed and like what gear you're in, and where the turns are. Like all the UI stuff was like on the car itself, if I remember correctly. That's it was kind of cool. cool. Yeah, it, it was, was almost like a uh, augmented reality in game. It was kind of yeah. Cool. It's kind of like they were trying to recreate again, like that Hollywood chase scene. Like every scene in uh, Fast and Furious kind of was a race. So that's kind of that's right. another cool racing game too. A little uh, niche niche game. For sure, yeah, and I mean, for the for the price, it can beat it. And the and uh, I mean, that's the thing when it, when I when it comes to racing games for me, I don't really like those the whole like simulator thing. I like the more arcadey stuff where it's like, okay, this is the thing, but they're like, there's a twist, you know. I don't like to like you know, oh, it has the most realistic handling. Okay, like now I'm just driving off the side of the road every race. Yeah, you like, don't want to like, fun. yeah, you don't want to like <laughs> adjust your camber angles and your gearbox ratios, things like that, right? Yeah, it's like this is ridiculous. I don't want to spend an hour adjusting my fucking suspension. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I can appreciate that too. I can I can appreciate the tinkerer's uh, mode. It's cool when you actually, no, yeah, for sure. When you actually know like how like in real world scenarios why you would change that kind of stuff, and then you try and recreate it in a game and it actually works out, and you actually win a race because of it. That's pretty rewarding. So, but I, it, I love it those, is pretty neat. Yeah, I love those arcade racers too. I, I can go either way. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And like, and of course, uh, Yakuza Dead Souls. I'm getting into Yakuza a lot, so it's like Yakuza, but like with zombies, and just basically, it's like a spinoff. You just kill a lot of zombies. Armor Core Four is just like, I've never actually played an Armor Core game. Armor Core game, so I don't know. You guys probably know more than I do, but like, it's I, it's a mech game by From Software. All I know is I want From Software games because it's From Software. So let me enough. tell you, there's only one mech game from some from From Software that I'm even going to pretend to be interested in, and that's Steel Battalion. The two hundred dollar game on original Xbox with the controller, with the, big ass controller. With the giant yeah. three piece <laughs> controller with like eighty six buttons on it. The game had a glass, or in my case, a plastic shielding on the ejector button. And if and if you died in the game, like if you got defeated, you had to flip open the glass and hit the eject button to escape. And if you didn't hit that button and you just died, it deleted your save. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I not own this game? They gave zero fucks, guys, about your save. Man, you lost, guys, that's edgier than Dark Souls. Souls. Like, yeah, that game is like it's insanely collectible now too. That whole set, I, like, dude. The, the I had one, the game and man. It, it's one of my greatest regrets. But I had one that was in pristine condition, and I dude, sold I it. So want one? I sold it. I, so yeah, I wish one. I had it still. It, it kind of be a burden to own just because the thing's so massive. I mean, it's like three and a half feet across. Your life. Oh, I have no, I have no space for you it here right buy, now. But I still fucking yeah. Want you need one. to buy a separate table to play that game. I'm dead serious. You have to buy like a card, like a fold up card table just to play it. No, 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 dude. You got to go full on with. It. You got to build cockpit. like a fucking replica cockpit, <laughs> full battle station, <laughs> dude. People have done it. People have done it. And also, I play the game online. And guys, this is in the early Wait. days of Xbox Live. So imagine back in like the early 2000, you know, 2002, 2003. Okay. Uh, you had to spend what was the like going price for playing this game you had to own the xbox you had to have tv you had to have internet which was super mad expensive back then for not very fast speeds you had to have this 200 dollars game and then you had to buy the 60 dollars online game which was called line of contact i want to say still between line of contact and so <laughs> i'm playing this game online i'm one of the stupid people that did this that spent about 600 700 just to play one game right and there's literally 200 people in the community <laughs> all over the world oh that's that's how big the oh player base God. was wow so, so i was ranked Dude, like yeah, I was that, ranked that player like, base is dedicated yeah i was ranked like 40th <laughs> nice out of 200 people you must be very skillful dude, dude i'm one like, of the craziest like, 200 what, people in the world <laughs> what was what like i just i don't i would just want to know what experiencing this game is like it was like, so good online it was so good because you literally had to like turn the dial to the channel to talk to different people on your team what like the there was fuck? a radio tuner on the so thing. cool. Yeah, there's a radio tuner and you couldn't talk to everybody. You had to talk to each other individually and tune into their channel and they had to be tuned into the, your channel to hear you. That's insane. And there was a windshield wiper button. If you fell down, dirt got onto your screen and you had to get up and, and hit the Wait, windshield wiper. So was that first person? Yeah. Oh man, are we really talking what? about Steel Battalion? I love this game. Okay. So, Dude. So listen, there was there was a there was also like a feature called clip dumping, which was kind of considered an exploit. But it's basically where if you jam on the um the reload button while you're firing, it would unload your whole clip into somebody and just kill them instantly. And it was kind of frowned upon as like unsporting, right? To like kill somebody that way. Um, but what else? There was also guys, there were gears in this game. Like you had to like shift gears from first to second. There was like three pedals on the ground too. There was, I remember. And then also I remember that there were some tricks. I don't know how I found this out, but if you started, if you had like 20 different mechs or 15 different mechs, something like that. And if certain mechs, if you started them in second gear, you would like have an advantage over people that started in first gear. Guys, I don't know. I don't know how I know Jesus. this stuff. It's just, cr- it's such a crazy game. So, anyways, that's the only sounds like- software mech game I'm interested in talking about. 
So, dude, it sounds like you're describing to me like how to drive Howl's Moving Castle right now. <laughs> like, like, what I'm gathering here is that Jack, you didn't just get into the top forty by happenstance. You sat down and dedicated yourself. I did. I did. I played this game every single day, every single night. I was dedicated to it because you spend two hundred dollars on a controller, or you know, one hundred fifty dollars on a controller, fifty dollars on a game. It's like I'm gonna get my money's out worth out of this, and I definitely did. Um, but yeah, it's one of my greatest regrets is selling that thing. But then I look, I think back like, what would I've done? This thing would have owned me. I wouldn't have owned it. You know, if I had kept it all these years, I'd have to move it across country. Like, mm-hmm. but the box was in, I had a complete inbox in like pristine condition. And I want to say I maybe sold it for like 80 bucks. Maybe. Oof. Oh, I know. Damn. I know, dude. I know. That's why I can't, I God, can't I get into physical media so anymore because it's just so heartbreaking when it goes away. <laughs> Dude, I would have bought so much stuff off of you if I knew you when you were still selling. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to uh, another topic here. So I remember last week when it was just me and Jack running the uh, the two man tiny disc show. That's a sentence I never want to say guys, again. You guys, two tiny me. two discs. <laughs> they missed me so much, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. We we were talking a little bit about uh, that Doomfist teaser that came out. And yeah. yeah, funnily, like, you know, I remember we said something like, we think it'll come out, like he'll come out on the PTR next week. And lo and behold, the day we published the podcast, they dropped Doomfist on the PTR. I'm pretty sure. Not 12 hours after we publish. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. very timely. Very, very timely. So Doomfist, Doomfist, he's out. Mm. He's out on the mm. PTR, the public, the public test region. So if you're playing it on consoles, you won't be able to play him yet. He's not like officially out, but he's out on like that testing server that you can play on to like blizzard mainly uses it for bugs you know see and like some balancing stuff um so colin you don't really play much um overwatch right no i'm dude i think the only time i've ever played overwatch i played it when it was on beta for ps4 gotcha. <laughs> on the beta so so jack did you get a chance to play as doomfist i finally downloaded the ptr just for that day i mean it's free I mean, yeah. why not play him? He's going to play very closely to how he plays in the regular game. So I wanted to check him out. I couldn't resist. This is the big bad now in the Overwatch universe. And for the lore, people kind of had the misconception that Reaper is the big bad guy. But no, the actual M. Bison of Overwatch's <laughs> yeah. Shadow Lou is none other than Doomfist, who we kind of discussed last week, like you said. So I definitely have thoughts and opinions on how he plays. Um, he's yeah. very unique. He's a melee-based character. He has uh, a miniature um, kind of shockwave jump move that he does. It reminds me of Reinhardt's ultimate. And then he has a charge punch, dude, which when you hold the right uh, mouse button and charge that up, it's almost like a sniper punch Yeah, in a weird way because you cannot dodge it. I can't. Every time it happens to me, I'm like, I'm just dead. I'm well, dead now. So here, here's the thing, too, is a fully charged rocket punch can kill anyone under 200 hp i'm pretty sure as long as they hit a wall afterwards so like, i guess hmm. like because last week we talked all about his lore so this week we can probably just kind of talk about how he plays and how it feels to play him right so i think doomfist is very position based for sure you know he's like it's all about knowing where you are in relation to the enemy and how you can exploit that to the best of your ability because um, his main damage dealer is definitely rocket punch Right. Oh I my think gosh. You can I died so, to so many of those. So, yeah. Can I can I ask you guys oh, real up? quick? So I, I remember in, in the episode last week you guys mentioned it, so he's a melee character and he's the first melee character, right? First no. like official where he th- So Reinhardt's the first melee only character, right? Um 
Okay. And I remember saying that I really wanted another melee-only character. I was kind of thinking that Doomfist would be a tank. That's what it was, yeah, because he wasn't out yet. Right. That's right, so you guys were speculating. Yeah, so he's definitely a melee... Well, mostly melee-only. His uh, primary fire, he shoots out, like, shotgun shells. Shotgun uh, knuckles? Like, yeah, okay. He, shotgun yeah, yeah, no, yeah it's On weird. his four it's knuckles, weird. four knuckles on his left hand, they each are, like, loaded with a shell, and he just shoots them out. Um and they reload on their own over time. They just kind of like regenerate. Um, so you never have to press the reload button when you're playing as Doomfist, which is kind of cool. Um, reload. <laughs> yeah. So all of his cooldowns are like pretty low. You know, I, I think the longest cooldown he has is six seconds or maybe seven seconds. So, you know, he's yeah. all about having your abilities. You know, you, you never want to have a moment where you are in a battle and all your abilities are gone because then you're just dead. You're absolutely dead. And I definitely get the feeling that all of his abilities have been built with chaining them in mm. quick succession in mind. Like, you can put together some really nasty combos, and you can get to some very interesting locations when you know exactly how to chain his moves. So he has the rocket punch. He has a spiral uppercut, basically a Shoryuken. Yeah. Uh, he has, and then he has that jump uh, shockwave. It, it's kind move. of a Winston leap, but less verticality. Yeah. And then he has, am I missing? And then he has a shotgun knuckles, which yeah. are dumb. But <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he he's a very interesting character and, and definitely is getting played a lot in PTR. Uh, I'm going to be very interested. I definitely think he's going to be affecting the meta when it comes out. I, I'm kind of sad because he really wrecks a lot of the characters I play. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because you cannot get close to that guy. He will wreck you like mm-hmm. beyond belief. He's going to be very hard to hit. So yeah. I'm excited, but I'm not looking forward to going up against a Doomfist as Symmetra main. Yeah, I mean, what's what's funny, too, is that right now the dive comp is, like, pretty, like, it's it's getting a lot of attention. And Doomfist is only going to exacerbate that, you know, because he's very divey. Like, he's an all-in hero. Yeah, and he also regenerates Question. his, like, his passive ability. He regenerates... Um, what is it like 20% or something or he gets a 20% shield or something like that for damage done so also I want to point out as well we're talking about his abilities he probably has one of the coolest ultimates in the whole game yeah I think yeah uh we can get that in a sec Colin you had a question oh yeah when you say dive comp what does that mean okay so dive comp is like okay hold on guys this is overwatch talk now so you can feel free to turn the podcast off no i'm just (laughs) kidding (laughs) i'll just i'll give you a quick 20 second or not even that so instead of like standing at a point and like holding it forever and or you know like standing at a point and shooting at them and killing them from afar instead you use heroes that can jump in real quick and get behind them or like on top of them as fast as possible and disorient them and then kill them you know while they're confused that's a dive comp. A bunch of mobile, high high uh, damage output characters. Right. And since Doomfist is very, very mobile, very high damage output, he is kind of the epitome of dive comp right now. I yeah. see, I see. Um, so yeah, yeah. He, gets, he gets tanky with his passive, which is interesting because I've never seen a DPS have 400 total effective HP. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. He's yeah. almost like a pseudo tank. Yeah. Um, and then it's all like Jack was mentioning. Yeah, he just jumps up into the air and he yells meteor strike. And then you have like five seconds or so to select a location where it's like, like I want to say like 14 meters uh, across a big yeah. circle where everything in it just basically dies. Yeah, there, there are two circles. There's like a smaller inner circle that I'm pretty sure does 300 damage. So it one shots anyone that doesn't have more health than like Bastion. And then the outer circle does about like half that damage, I think. Um, 
So it's kind of hard to hit people, I think, with a smaller circle. Because when you see it coming, it's pretty easy to move out of the way. Maybe if you're like a, um, a Zenyatta or something, you know, very low mobility character, you're going to get caught in it real quick, real easily. Um, but if you have an escape move or like are just constantly on the move, you'll probably outrun his alt and not be hurt too much. So I feel like his alt may be like a tiny bit underwhelming at some point. You know, like when, once people get used to how Doomfist plays and playing against Doomfist, I think his alt's going to be more of a mobility tool than it will be like a damage. It could be a good engage tool though, for sure. What did you call me? <laughs> a tool, Colin. A tool. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I really want to learn to play Doomfist better, though. Honestly, I find it really funny that he's coming right off the heels of Lawbreakers beta. Right? Because Lawbreakers is all about like high mobility, high movement, high skill ceiling. And I feel like Overwatch releasing Doomfist like, right after the beta is like, that's cool and all, but we also have a hero like that who's high mobility, high skill ceiling. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I want to talk, aside from his from his abilities and just how he plays, I kind of want to just talk about the character overall a little bit, if we could. Yeah. So, controversial statements coming up here. Um, I'm kind of worried about Overwatch a little bit with in regards to the character design because the newer enemies, or the newer characters coming out, heroes that have been since launch, I feel like have been... It just in my own personal opinion have been getting like worse and worse and worse like everyone is a kind of a step down like from a design point and I'm a little bit worried like I'm not really in love with the way that Doomfist looks at all or his character overall and and I remember not really liking Orisa that much either and then I also remember not really liking Sombra that much either I'm like they re- and then Ana too like all four of these new characters I don't like their character design uh, Sombra is probably the one I, I think fits in the best but I just think the other ones are t- too weird. I don't know what it is. I just yeah, can't, I can't get behind it. It's reminding me of when Street Fighter. I think there are a lot of parallels to be made between the Avengers, Street Fighter, and and Overwatch because it's just the group of world heroes that save the day and the group of supervillains. Anyways, I remember when Street Fighter did um, came out with uh, Third Impact, or they just had really weird character designs for a while there. And this kind of reminds me of that. It's just like really out there. I don't think the spikes, like the tusks or whatever, the spikes like on his shoulder, like look cool. I don't think it looks cool. I think it looks corny. And so I'm just like, okay, he plays well. He's, you know, but I just don't know if I'm in love with the character design, which is sad because for me, usually Blizzard does no wrong in regards to character design. I just feel like they're kind of on a slump here with Overwatch, which is their biggest game of the, of the day right now. I don't know. I'd kind of have to disagree because I think, Sombra is definitely the coolest looking character of the four that have been released post launch. She's a cool she, gun too. She has a cool gun. She has like I think her design overall is very cool because like one thing about Overwatch's character design is when you look at a character, you kind of get an idea of who they are, what they do, and I think Sombra really personifies that well. You know, you look at her and you can tell like, oh, she's weird. She's weird and she yeah. likes being weird, and that's kind of exactly what Sombra is. You know, like she's very mysterious, has her own um, personality, and. Uh, you can't quite tell her motivation sometimes that kind of stuff. Um, and I'd argue Anna too is kind of like that. Cause you know, she, she's like the grizzled veteran, you know, she's the granny. She's the mom of everyone. She's literally a granny. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you look at her, like just one look at her and you can tell like, Oh, she's seen some shit. One, one of her eyes has seen mm. a lot of shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, um, I know. I, I'm just, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying just from a cool factor. I'm just like, I don't, 
think they're that cool. I don't think they're they raise the bar or live up to the bar. I think there's some very cool character design in Overwatch. And I just don't think with the latest characters coming out, it's really kind of held the standard. And I just think I just think Doomfist kind of looks dumb. I hate to say yeah. it. I just think it looks a little dumb. I can see where you're coming from. Well, the, knuckle, Doom- the knuckle shotgun is kind of just lame. <laughs> I don't know. I think it kind of looks neat. I think it's a one from a gameplay standpoint. It's a clever way to make sure Doomfist is never not doing anything. You know, when all your, when you're, all your skills are on cooldown, you're at least able to do something. Right? It's definitely meant to um, be spammed. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so uh, so what you're saying is at blizzard this is like at blizzard they're just kind of on like on the cutting room floor and they're just like okay guys so new character call him doom fist so what we got okay so like what if we took Jax from mortal Kombat <laughs> and just gave him one mechanical arm <laughs> oh hell no that's like, hilarious so yeah. what? Was, when, like when they when they took Winston, they're like, okay, so what if there was a gorilla and his gun oh. was basically Raiden from Mortal Kombat? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no! It's you bring up a good point. That's hilarious, dude. But it's it just seems to me uninspired a bit. It's just a little uninspired. I feel like different people have designed the original cast characters, and they maybe have since moved on and gotten different jobs. And I just feel like a different team is designing these characters overall so maybe it, it just makes me worried in like you know what's to come because obviously i feel like this is a game they're going to be constantly adding characters characters to probably forever who knows if they'd ever make an overwatch 2 i don't know yeah i don't know i mean i can see where you're coming from with doom fist because really all his character design is is the fist jacks the- dude that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> he's jacks with one only he only lost one good arm pull, good pull <laughs> yeah but I mean, that's kind of a majority of where his character design is, is that fist, that gauntlet. And I guess like kind of the, the lead up to the shoulder as well. Like that's kind yeah. of it. Well, I don't know if you've looked at his character model enough, but like you, you do notice that the the thing connecting to his shoulder, like kind of runs all the way up to the back of his head. So, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like in a character standpoint, like maybe his his fist is connected more to his brain than we think it is or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it in terms of being able to look at Doomfist and seeing what kind of character he is because i'll be honest like i know his place in the lore he's the big bad right but Mm. i don't get a sense of who he is i just know he has a big fist and he likes hitting people with it you know what i mean that's that's kind (laughs) of he's the leader of talon and he punches stiff to death yeah um i I, but you know what they say about guys with big fists that being said though dude i i actually you know i will totally like concede he is fun to play he's definitely fun to play fun to learn I'm just talking about the aesthetics of it, you know, in a, in a game where heroes are so much of part of the experience, like everything about the character is a big part of this game. So that's where I just think it falls short a little bit. But don't get me wrong. Like the way he plays is very fun. I think it's gonna be a very interesting addition to the game. So I'm looking forward to, to playing him a little bit more. Well, I mean, part of it, too, though, um, they did build his personality up a little bit where they released that. Um, that little anime short, that like two minute anime short of like who is Doomfist, right, right? And I mean, like I feel like we don't really like spoil a two minute preview, but like he essentially punches his way out of prison, like over the yeah. course of however long he's in there, he's just punching a wall constantly. And you think that would like raise some red flags? <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> By the security guards, no, like I ah, just let him hit that wall. It'll yeah, it's fine. fine. 
it, it, it's doom fist what's he gonna do break it with his fist i know right yeah. it's like he yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like he, he's like the exact opposite of like andy dufresne from like uh exactly. shawshank, uh, shawshank. shawshank redemption yes, yes. yeah it, was, it said the little hammers <laughs> with a giant fist. Yes. exactly yeah and, and he's monologuing. it's like dude you can't cover that up with a poster what do you think <laughs> he keeps monologuing too about like uh determination and like you know striving Doomfist was, was a tall drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. often do you actually pay attention to a man's shoes? <laughs> I I think though I'd like to see um more of Doomfist in the actual meta. I'd like to see how he actually plays. Because right now playing him on the PTR, it's fun and all, but I don't get a good sense of how he's gonna actually play in real games. You know, because you're either playing against a team that's also just a bunch of Doomfists or like is playing around Doomfist rather than playing a normal game where only one person gets to be Doomfist and the whole team has to work around that. So I'd like to see how that eventually pans out when Doomfist actually goes for real live on the real game. I'm pretty game. sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to be making some changes and some tweaks to them. Um, and I'd be interested to see what they do. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so. Let's move on to our next topic here. Um, Jack, I believe you brought this up to us uh, when you wanted to talk about it. You know, people uh, people have been saying in podcasts I listen to that it's a slow um, news week, but I, we got a lot of crap to talk about this oh, week. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. do you want to hit this one, Jack, since you're the one that kind of brought it up to us? Uh, yeah, and we don't have to talk about it very long, but I, guys, just know this. like The Oculus Rift price has been cut for the second time just this year. Now, the Oculus Rift VR virtual headset, the headphones, the Oculus Touch add-on, which was $200 standalone by itself, all of that. I'm, I sound like a JVC like news you know, like infomercial guy, but... If you call now... No, you get more. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to sell this to you, but I'm just telling you. They reduced the price of something that was once approaching $800, $900. Now, it's all for $400. And I think that's cool... If you want VR and if you and if the price has been prohibitive to you, but I also am worried about that. Like that's raising a lot of flags and raising a lot of questions about the hardware's costs, about the current sales, about the future of VR overall. So I just think that it's worth talking about a little bit from a industry perspective. Like, is VR really in trouble? You know, I mean, they're definitely not profitable and games that are made on VR are not profitable right now either. I, I think that Gabe Newman came out and publicly stated uh, that, or Gabe Newell <laughs> came out and publicly stated. G- yeah. That Gabe Newman. 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 Praise Newman. I was like mixing them both up in my head. Anyways, <laughs> that guy, that guy, what made valve, <laughs> Uh, he has, uh, you know, come out and said that very few, you know, I'm going to say five, 10% of VR games are, have hit, uh, even really. So you're more likely to lose money making VR games right now because these headsets are so expensive and because they're not reaching the critical mass and because such a high percentage, an incredibly high percentage of VR headsets are quote unquote, are, uh, the kind of, uh, cellular phone variety. And those are not the same experiences. And Oculus Rift is way, way behind the whole pack. And that's why they're aggressively, aggressively uh, slashing the prices. I mean, if you, I I was a fan. I am a fan of VR. I am a fan of, of the Oculus Rift. It wasn't going to be my first choice. I was going to get the HTC Vive. But now at this point, I'm already waiting for the second generation of headsets to come out. Now is not the time to buy into VR because the new headsets 
are one of two things is going to happen. Like either the new heads are going to new headsets are going to come out. They're going to be way cheaper and way more uh, effective and awesome. And then maybe they'll start moving the needle. Or the other thing is maybe these companies might just like throw in the towel and be like, you know what? We tried really hard. This didn't work. The technology's there, but we can't get the price down to reach critical mass. And 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 the market has spoken, and we're not going to do this right now. So one of those two things is going to happen. But the Oculus Rift being re- just so aggressively priced now is it's cool, like I said, but man, it's it's really raising some fl- some flags. When this came out, just the headset alone last summer, I remember trying it out at Best Buy uh, over there by the Tuttle Crossing Mall. But uh, I remember uh, when it first came out, just the headset and an Xbox 360 controller, okay, was six hundred dollars. Jesus. And yeah, it's ridiculous. And now the fact that they're adding on another $200 bundle with the Oculus Touch controllers that are special VR um, uh, centric controllers, the whole thing together now, which again used to be eight, $900, is now $400. It's like, it's really crazy. This is the craziest price cut since Nintendo slashed the price of the 3DS in half back in the day. Mm-hmm. But so I've been on record on both this podcast and previous podcasts. Well, actually, I'm not even sure about this podcast for sure, but I've never been excited about VR. And Jack, you can attest to that for sure. I've I've always been your foil when it comes to discussion about VR, I think. Um, and you have tried it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's cool, but I can only think of a certain genre, like certain couple genres of games where I think this is where it'll shine. You know, I think of like racing games. Where, you know, you're, like, basically actually in the driver's seat. Yeah, or, it's so awesome for those. Yeah, or, like, flight simulator games where you're, like, in the cockpit and, you know, mm-hmm. like, you're just mm-hmm. doing dogfights or something. Like, those are cool. But, like, VR shooters, I don't, I just don't see that panning too well. I feel like we're going to need a lot more technology for games like that to really be fun to play. You know, where to actually feel like you're in the environment and you're actually, you know, like fighting for your life against the aliens or the demons or whatever. So I've never been a big fan of VR. I do think it's interesting that um, the Oculus Rift is coming down in such a strong price. Now, granted, this is a temporary price, right? This isn't like a, a full on price cut. This is just like a, a sale they're running for a couple weeks. Remember, like right on that. Is it only a couple weeks? I thought it was for a few months. Well, I yeah, but it, it's not meant to be permanent from it's, what my but, understanding was. But we'll, but again, the market will dictate. It's true. Certainly, there's going to be cuts around. Um, you can expect cuts if they don't last this whole summer. You can expect them around Black Friday. You can expect them around Christmas time. You can expect them when the new Oculus Rift comes out. Like this is, you know, this is just a crazy kind of precedent they're setting. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you also said this earlier, Jack, is that you probably wouldn't buy into a first generation headset. I would have last year had I not had to move across the country. I just thought it was like an irresponsible purchase back then. Mm-hmm. But I definitely have been eyeing it. I definitely have been like, hey, you know, here pretty soon I'm going to be doing VR. But then I was like, well, you know, the new headsets are probably going to be coming out. So now it's not a good time to do it. So I've kind of been going back and forth and teeter-tottering. But I did pull the trigger on PlayStation VR. And I'll tell you, the most fun I've ever had with VR is there's two times where I have fun with the game. It's the first time I ever play a game in VR. That's probably the most fun I'll have with it. And just experiencing it in that new world and just like being having a brand new experience uh, within a familiar type of experience. And then the second thing I love doing VR is showing people VR for the first time and seeing their reactions. That is like gold right there. That's like the most fun. I'll invite people over that have never even 
uh, had any kind of exposure to it and they just their minds are blown I mean they're they're freaking out and like they talk about that experience like throughout the rest of the day like the the real world feels different now after being in VR somehow it's just a very strange feeling it, it kind of tricks your brain in ways that you wouldn't expect so that's those are the, the really the the moments that I, I like about VR that I get to experience with my friends right yeah. I don't know. I I'd like to see where VR goes from here, right? Because it didn't really have that big of yeah. a presence this year, especially at E3. I know, yeah, right? So it, it's not like there's much to look forward to. I know in the PC gaming show they had a couple VR titles there, and then in the um, was it Microsoft or, or was it PlayStation they, where they had those no name boring like Bravo Team or Echo Bravo, yeah. you know, VR yeah. experiences, right? But nothing, mm-hmm. nothing really jumped out to me in thinking like this is it. This is the breakthrough, like this is what's going to make VR mainstream, you know? Well, I don't, I don't know, dude. Bethesda was pushing it pretty hard. I mean, they hit, they're making, they're bringing doom Skyrim, Skyrim and fallout all to VR, which they is kind of huge. Were. <clears throat> like, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know how well it's going to like be in VR or like how well it's going to go, but like, I don't know. Like at least they're trying and they're seeing where it goes and hopefully it goes over. Well, I think it, it's just, VR has been talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about and all it comes back to at the end of the day is it all becomes like it just we just got to wait and see and that, I mean that's just what it comes down to like we just got to wait and see what games are going to come out we got to see how well it's going to be supported I mean there and there could also be the possibility of them coming out with cheaper and better headsets but that's this thing like the the price tag is just so high and I mean the, the real exception right now is PlayStation VR because units have been flying off the shelf so hard that people were complaining about not being able to find them for the longest time. And I know they didn't produce an insane amount because apparently they had the whole thing with like the lens manufacturer or something like that, having a shortage. Um, But like that, they've been relatively like, they've been selling relatively well. Uh, I think they uh, last, the last number that I heard was they were at like 900 K units, almost a million for, for PSVR. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not what I heard at all. No, I heard way less than that. I heard like around 400K. So we'll have to check that out. I don't know. Where did you get that information? Uh, they, I think they were they were talking about it in a kind of funny, but they cited it from somewhere. Okay. Well, we'll check that I, out later. I, I'm, I, I'm I, curious to see numbers too. Yeah. But. but yeah, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure I remember hearing the number 900K being thrown around. Um, regardless, anyway, obviously PlayStation VR has been like the front runner so far for VR because it's just the most affordable option right now. Because uh, I mean, you need like a, excuse me, a baseline two hundred, two hundred dollar, two hundred fifty dollar machine, and then the four hundred dollar headset itself, or five hundred dollar if you get the bundle, um, and then you call it a day, you're good to go, you're playing VR, um, and I don't know, like I, I don't, have, I don't really question like the experience, like based on my own experience with VR, I have, I have the uh, one of those the freaking phone things or whatever, I've, uh, the Samsung Gear VR, I have one of those. Um, and I, I did experience a PlayStation VR once. I have not experienced like an Oculus or an HTC Vive. I heard, I heard HTC Vive is a relatively smoother experience though than PSVR is. The Vive is the one to get um, if you have the money. Um, the, and the, and right. the PSVR is definitely the one to get if you don't have the, or if you have some money, but not enough to afford the HTC Vive. It's the Oculus Rift that's in a weird middle ground because the perception the it public is. perception now this is may not be true or not but the public perception is that the oculus rift is less capable than the vive whether or not that's true or not and then yeah because i think it's uh it's slightly isn't uh the vive slightly higher res or something like that 
or like the screens better or like they have the same whatever. screen they have the same resolution i think and the psvr okay. has a lower resolution than both of them so and right cause, well speaking of the psvr i did just look it up um they did surpass one million units per the verge okay sony announced oh uh, okay. th- this was like cool. early june okay cool, wow that's cool, higher cool. than i thought sweet mm-hmm. um but yeah like anyway yeah yeah like uh, like you said i heard the vive was the like if you could if you have the money go with the vive because you can i think you can just do a little bit more with it too uh from what i heard like you can do uh i mean it's it's you can move around a little bit more with it because i think uh the oculus film is you did with that little camera right or something like that um in terms of my own experience with vr though like uh i just i don't feel like i've personally like experienced enough different gaming experiences with it uh in order to have like a full like a, a like a full impression on it i think i i played job simulator on psvr and that's the only <laughs> psvr game i got to play it's yeah, a fun game. so like i don't it is it's a very fun game and it, it was it was a really fun screw around it but i didn't get to play like a serious experience like resident evil 7 or uh i mean but i would love to play like doom or or uh fallout or skyrim when it comes out i would love to check Dude, that out. resident evil 7 um, in vr is one of those moments in gaming that is kind of like a new milestone i think for for gaming for i sure. really think yeah. it's a landmark like it is the first like killer app in my opinion in vr like a full-fledged game developed from the ground up for vr that that objectively changes the experience you have mm-hmm. um with it and it's it's so much it's such a better game in vr so yeah i'll even think ad- about yeah like that, i'll admit even as someone who isn't that big into vr like resident evil 7 is probably one of the few things i can think of where it makes me kind of excited for what VR can do. Yeah. But again, right. I, I feel like if I owned Vive and then I bought Resident Evil 7 and actually played it through VR, I feel like after a while it'd feel like a gimmick or it'd feel, you know, like, well, that was fun, but let's get back to playing it normally, you know? See, I don't have enough experience yet to really form oh, an gosh. opinion about it because I want to, I, I don't. I, I also haven't played like an extended game like that or something like a, like a like a Skyrim or something to know whether or not I would want to play something in VR long term like yeah. that like that because I think the biggest thing for me personally would be the comfort like the comfortability like the ability to sit down and actually yeah. be able to like play VR for that extended period amount of time because when you're actually sitting there like moving around is completely different when you're, you know, like like I like to do on my Gear VR and just do like Groove VR, which is you just chill out, listen to music, and look at something that visualizes it for you. Like that's different because you're just sitting there chilling out and just enjoying the view. Whereas you do it, you're you know, you're playing Skyrim, you're moving your arms around, you're picking up shit, you're you know, you're constantly moving and shit going on. Next thing you know, you're sweating, you get uncomfortable in the headset, you need to take. So a the break. comment I can make on that you know, as someone who has tried on all of these headsets is that the PlayStation VR is certainly the most comfortable for me. And it's what I've been seeing reported okay. as well as the most comfortable for most people. And it's very light um, as well. Um, but I'll back on Resident yeah, Evil 7 real quick is I just want to say like that game is an absolute proof of concept that full on games developed by established publishers, established developers can and do exist in VR. And it's definitely one of the must play games on with, with that. Also, I would say Robert Thumper. You know, if, if you need to try Thumper in VR, that is that changes that game so crazily. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I'd so yeah, that, that's so kind of all I got about VR. But yeah, go ahead, Jack. Um, 
So you have you played through Resident Evil Seven? In Not VR? through. No, I, I, guys, it's. I don't think I can. <laughs> I played the demo. Like it's just too I played scary. The demo, and I've showed people the demo, like the one, the first hour of the game, and uh, right. It's it's so intense. <laughs> like I, I have a rule. No, I no, have a rule no, in my I house. You. I have a rule in my house. Like when I'm playing VR, no one's allowed to touch me. <laughs> Because it's very, it's because I don't want to like swing and bruise somebody because it's very, very, it's a very strange feeling. Like, I'm serious. I can only imagine like stepping into the fourth dimension or something like that when you're like in VR and you're in that space, you're in the game space and then something touches you or some like stimulus from the real world, like, you know, affects your brain, but your brain isn't in the real world. It's in this game, right? You're in this man, this haunted mansion in this basement and this fucking scary monster is trying to decapitate you. Yeah. Like and then and then someone touches you and like it actually you know fires off the neurons in your brain that someone's touching your skin. It's not something I recommend someone to. So. You start swinging. Yeah. Well, it's it's re- the, your lizard, your lizard it, brain kicks in. Yeah, and you start going to like self preservation mode. It's really really bizarre. Wow, that's dude. Yeah, I couldn't imagine a, a game like I don't know if I could do something like that, man. Personally, but. I, the reason why I asked you is because, like, I just wanted to know if, like, after playing for an extended period of time, whether or not you were still comfortable to, like, co- like, can you play, so, like, in VR like that for hours on end? I could play that game, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, so you, you could easily sit there and just, like, chill out and play Resident Evil 7 in VR for, I <laughs> Three, mean... Three, four hours? Regardless of, like, okay... Yeah. And okay, that's what I I'm would personally. At, I, I would personally I, take a break every hour. I would actually do what Nintendo tells you to do in okay. those front of those, uh, <laughs> you know, this, those disclaimers that yeah. everyone just goes by. I would actually probably do that. Right. I'd probably take a fifteen minute, ten fifteen minute break every hour, just because you do get a little bit sweaty on the on your forehead. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like because I think the the when I had my experience with job simulator stuff, like I think I played for thirty minutes to an hour. I can't remember exactly how long. Um, but like, I do remember feeling like not really like fatigued, but I was getting kind of like sweaty and uncomfortable. And, and like, a lot of that you know I think I mean? has to do with just the anxiety of like a new experience and just, you know, I think, I think could once be. you, once it you kind of created it as a, as created as a habit for you, I think it'd be a little less, uh, physically demanding. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. But, All right. Thank so you. So to loop this back around to, uh, what we started talking about, do you guys think that the fact that the Oculus is doing such a huge price cut here? Do you think that's like, what do you think that ushers in for the next phase here? Like, is this maybe the beginning of the phasing out of Oculus maybe, or could this be leading to like, this is the end of the first era of VR and era two is on the horizon generation two. Yeah. Gen two has to be in development. It has to get better because if it's going to exist, it has to improve because the current, uh, value it's offering is not enough to satisfy what the market's demanding so vr has a long way to go this is not a sprint this is a marathon and it's gonna the rewards are gonna be felt by the companies that kind of innovate on technology now and can deliver higher quality technology at a lower price um but it's gonna be a while it's not going to happen. It and might not be the next a, gen that where it happens either. It might be three, four generations down the road, and who knows? You know who's going to yeah. rise from the rubble of this this uh, VR kind of headset arms race. Yeah, I definitely think like I think VR, and, and this is what frustrates me right now because like it, it's it's trying so hard to like shoehorn itself into normality, and it wants to be there, but it's just not quite there yet. It's not there in price. It's not there in technology just quite yet. There's not enough people with faith in it 
quite yet to really drive it and make it the norm. So like, I think like, like Jack said, it's, it's going to take a while. The technology is going to have to develop. They're going to come up with the next generation and it might be a couple generations, but the technology is going to get better as technology always does. It's going to get cheaper and to, and it's going to reach a certain point where I, I certainly hope this is the future, but I, it's going to reach a certain point where VR is the next jump for normality in video games. It's going to reach a level where it's comfortable enough, where it's cheap enough, where the technology is good enough, where everyone can quick, uh, like easily get the, get a hold and set up a VR system, and they can play game like most, if not all, of their games in VR in some way, shape, or form. Robert, you're wearing glasses. I'm wearing glasses. It's going to have to get like that. Yeah, it's going to have to get as easy as putting on a pair of glasses. Everything's going to have to be right. wireless. It's going to before it really reaches critical mass, you know. And how long, you know, is that going to be in the future? But that's where it has to get to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can agree with that, too, because VR just seems like such a hassle right now. It's definitely more of like an enthusiast thing. Oh, completely. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got to be crazy, basically. And I'm one of those crazy people. (laughs) I want to be one of those crazy people. I just can't fucking afford it. Yeah, I (laughs) I can't afford to be crazy. (laughs) 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 Man, I already spent too much money on games already. Yeah. So we had a couple real quick bullet points that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So uh, looking kind of ahead uh evo is happening this weekend the big fighting game tournament uh i thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of remind our viewers that's happening since i mean i've been getting into fighting games a lot recently jack i know you've been following evo for quite a while yeah absolutely uh i'm very excited this is the follow-up year Uh, man you know what? i'm ashamed to say i don't even know if this year is going to be on espn or not maybe one of you guys can look that up and, and let me know but last year it was on espn for the first time and what evo is is basically uh you know the end of the karate kid imagine that but it's fighting games instead of real life karate it's uh basically the best in the world coming it's basically mortal Kombat, right it's the best in the world coming to a common location and testing their skills and uh just across multiple uh fighting games so you've got smash brothers for wii u which is making a big run this year you've got uh injustice 2 tekken 7 street fighter 5 you've got even super smash brothers melee all the way back on Mm -hmm. uh the gamecube but Which I mean, that's, pretty that's, awesome. that's a classic, though, in the fighting. It's the fighting, de facto uh, standard. Yeah. yeah, there are people that will never stop playing Melee. That game mm-hmm. has really cemented its place in competitive in the fighting game uh, community. So this is uh, just one of those really weird uh, events that, uh, that are part of the reason why I love games overall. And I'm really looking forward to it. Did you guys find out if it's on yeah. ESPN or not? Yes. So they will be broadcasting the Street Fighter V Finals on okay. ESPN2, not the Ocho. Oh, okay. So yeah. not the regular ESPN not either. The Ocho. I got you. Yeah. So Yeah, that's, that's ESPN2. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Well, that's better than nothing. But it, and it's just of note as well that these are just going to be the grand finals for one game. Whereas right. if you're going to watch it on uh, Twitch or YouTube or streaming online anywhere, they're going to have a bunch of coverage as well. So you don't just wait for ESPN. It's going to be going on all weekend. And the grand finals for, I mean, Guilty Gear and all these other games that are coming out, like some of the greatest moments in, in competition, in combat competition, really. So right. I, I think that uh, I would expect no less from this. Infiltration is the um, uh, defending champion in Street Fighter Five with his uh, Charlie. And we'll see what happens, see what comes out. Some of my favorites that I'm looking forward to, Gamer B, Daigo, of course, Filipino mm-hmm. Man, uh or there's uh or filipino champ sorry there's a lot of uh uh really cool characters kind of in the fgc so i'm looking forward to it 
Yeah, um, I've, I kind of want to, like, now that I've been getting a lot into fighting games, I kind of want to get more into the FGC, and I'm, like, treating EVO 2017 as kind of my first step into the bigger culture. Um, and I think what's really interesting about fighting games is even if you're not really, really into them, it's such a treat to watch such high-skilled players, like, do what they're doing, you know? Even if you don't fully understand what a fighting game is, you know, you can kind of tell how much skill there is that's happening on the screen. Like, how much, how many inches they're giving each other before someone takes the full mile and, you know, like, does a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, it's akin to watching, you know, just like uh, uh, Wimbledon or watching, uh, you know, NFL. Like, you're watching people there in their prime at the peak of human capabilities doing, you know, what they do best. And it's always just kind of a celebration of of what uh, people are capable of. And, you know, when you dedicate yourself to one game and one character in often cases, you know, what can be achieved? It's really interesting to watch how yeah. this genre has evolved. Right. It, and like watching the championship and for like, like fighting game championships, it, it's kind of like, even if you, if you don't necessarily get big into like fighting games or even gaming in general, it's like, it's one of those things where like, just for the sheer skill and competition that goes into it, people still watch it's kind of like you know you know rafael nadal and roger federer in tennis right like people don't really people may not even really give a shit about tennis but they'll watch that match because because of who it is highly skilled Mm -hmm. players yeah are going at it and it's just insane to watch yeah there are two there are two moments from evo's past that i want to just uh put out there if you guys can feel free to watch it in your free time or google search or whatever there's one from was it last year or two years ago at most but there was a match going on in guilty gear and one guy was not paying attention and thought that he actually won the match and mm. didn't pay and didn't know there was actually one more round in the match to be fought. He won the second to last round, got up, put his stick down and started pumping his fist in the air and celebrating. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other guy totally proceeds to beat his ass. <laughs> Because, I remember seeing yeah, that. And, and he just celebrated early and like everyone was like the ultimate fist, you know, or face palm moment in Evo ever. And the guy ended up losing. It was incredible. It was, uh, how, can you imagine that? Can you imagine like Tom Brady, like, you know, like running the <laughs> running the football and the other person's like, you know, end we got zone? it to the like, 90 yard line. We did it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just stopping, going home, like hugging and kissing Giselle and packing up. Like, no, like you would never imagine that. And then, and so that's one memory that just stands out to me that, you know, I'm looking forward to other memories being made this weekend. But, uh, the second one I want the audience to know about is the, the event that got me into fighting games, uh, in a competitive sense anyways, internationally, uh, it just search on YouTube, just search Daigo Perry. I know that's weird two words, but D I D A I G O P A R R Y Daigo Perry. Just, just. Trust me. Okay. Just watch just watch what happens there and, and have fun. It's magical for sure. Yes. Absolute game magic. So and Colin just watched it for the first time ever just a few minutes ago, so maybe he can give you quick It was mind blowing some first impressions. Can, can confirm. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um so yeah, like look forward to that. That's happening uh July fourteenth through sixteenth, so this whole weekend happening in Las Vegas. You can stream it live for free. Uh, so yeah, hit that up if you're really interested in the fighting game community for sure. And um, just one more thing that we kind of wanted to touch on before uh, moving forward into our ending here. Uh, Final Fantasy XII Remaster, Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age did come out this week. <sighs> Such right? an awesome yeah, game. This past two, the, yesterday, or uh, at the time of this recording, it would be yesterday, uh, uh, July 11th, Tuesday, uh, dropped. Yeah. And uh, to my understanding, Colin, you you are planning on playing this game, right? 
Yes, I, I do. I ended up picking up like the Steelbook Edition or whatever. No, I didn't buy the $200 fucking collector's edition because... Was that one of those collector's editions like, that didn't even come with the game? No, okay. no, it came with okay. a game. It came like a. It, it, here's what it came with. It came with like the, the game in like a like a cool little steel book, but it was different from like the steel book edition. Okay. It had like a like exclusive art, or whatever. Right. It came with some art cards, and then it came with four bust little little mini bust statues. Oh man, Final Fantasy Twelve is one of my favorite Final Fantasy games of all time. I love it. I love so much about it. Um, we can talk about we can talk about it a little bit more. What? What? was that <laughs> was that you Robert that's, that's my roommate playing League of Legends <laughs> I was like wait a second yeah I thought someone hit a sound button we, we, we can keep that in hey, it's fine we're really we nerds guys we're really nerds this is not an act <laughs> yeah no, I, can, I can edit that out <laughs> no we're leaving uh, it we're it's leaving in there in? please oh, yeah it's in there so okay yeah. that's hilarious so okay I was talking about Final Fantasy real quick but it was a game that, if you remember back in this development time, it took forever to be made. Years and years and years. And Final Fantasy XII, I was awaiting it. It was torturous. Kind of like you, uh, Robert, waiting for Persona 5. Ah, uh, yes. And and it finally came out, and man, it did not disappoint. But I didn't get it right when it came out. Um, I actually waited uh, several months, actually. And I ended up, I still have the strategy guide, the collector's edition strategy guide. I'm looking at it right now, actually, on my bookshelf. But um, I bought the collection edition strategy guide and the steelbook version on ps2 i want to say total like 35 dollars because that's how aggressive the discounts were yeah so and then i i got like literally hundreds of hours of uh of entertainment out of that game so we'll talk about a little bit more when uh collins has some time with it but just want you guys to know it's out this week and and definitely i could not recommend it enough uh if you love uh, the world of evilies if you love matsuno if you love uh, kind of medieval style Final Fantasy. If anything like that sounds appealing to you, at least check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you like ju- if you like junior PGs, I think you'll like it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> JRPGs. Oh, I thought said junior. It's, yeah, junior. No, he PGs. he did say junior PGs. <laughs> oh, that was a sick burn. Oh, I get it. Okay. I don't I don't think it was. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was just a play. It was just a play on words. JRPG. I don't even know. How I'd call that a play. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. So, it just me yeah, being stupid. There, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, what happened? What? Did he just win? I, I don't. I think he lost or something. I don't fucking. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Everyone lost here. That's what happened. We're all losers in this. Yeah. I mean, you're always losing if you're playing League of Legends. <laughs> no, um, let's be real. Yeah. Uh, so, Jack, you want to hit us with that hot, sweet. Yeah. What's the loophole to this would you rather? I am eventually going to hold you guys to getting some kind of theme music because this is kind of turning into a game show. We need some like trivia music or something like that before this, but I digress. So right. I'm very much looking forward to this. And in keeping with tradition, I did not look to the Internet uh, for this. I, I keep coming up with my own ideas and I'm trying to make them as loophole proof as possible. So that's impossible. But go ahead. I know I try, but I try. I can try. Can I not? <laughs> Okay, so this week's Would You Rather is pretty funny, I think. Here we go. Would you rather be world-renowned for your video game prowess and die a virgin? Or Mm. would you rather be world-renowned for your sexual prowess (laughs) and never play video games your entire life? Discuss. I mean, that's stupid. That's a stupid question. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Oh. 
I don't even want to just that's that's some shit you find on Reddit that you make fun of. I did, yeah. I didn't find this one on Reddit, but yeah, I do make fun of this. But yeah, you could have total like this is totally straight out of that that same like cast of now, questions. Now, okay, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to fucking break this down because <laughs> because I don't think it's that stupid a question. Oh, it's so stupid of a question. Okay, we're like. Okay, this is gonna, this this is this is gonna get a little graphic, but so when you say that I I can have like you know, be world renowned for my video game prowess, but not have to be a virgin the rest of my life. No, your whole life. Side, your to, whole life. Not the okay. rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, you don't happens. just re, you don't regain your virginity and <laughs> <laughs> you keep that forever. Right. Or well, yeah, yeah. My whole life, yeah. Never had, never, never had sex. Never can have sex. Whatever. So, and on the other side, there's you know, you'd be warming out for your sexual prowess, but you can never play video games. So here's the thing: when you say you can, you always, you will always remain a virgin. Does that mean like you just can't have sexual intercourse? Oh, we're getting nitty gritty. Jeez. <laughs> oh man. Uh. I mean, dude, come on! You gotta, you gotta give me something. You're, you're bringing it this way, Jack. Okay, no, okay, go. yeah, no, no, no sexual contact at all. No sexual yeah. contact yes. at all. Not even like, not even like a kiss or something. You're basic world like that. renowned for your video game prowess. What about what about Fuck, Jill? Dude. Jail, Jill, your hand. Ooh, what? I don't know no. what you're talking about, dude. Master- Can you fucking yeah. masturbate? Is what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> like is there at least that or is there like nothing, yes, nothing? Yeah. I'll throw you a bone so to speak okay. Good. so you can at least work out your prostate is what I'm hearing oh my gosh we're earning this explicit tag hey you asked like you where did you expect this to go with that question I guess right here I guess so we're cozy okay. we're cozying okay. up so here's the thing when I listen to those two the the obvious answer to me is world renowned for video games because think about it, we're all men no, no, no here here's the thing here's the thing we're all men when's the last time a man has been world renowned for like fucking Ron Jeremy and that's it like who gives a shit who, you're not gonna make millions of dollars because you have a dig big you've got nothing you know what I mean like what Hugh Hefner you're gonna be a 90 year old Hugh Hefner like that's you're, gonna but like, just fucking... think you're gonna be like known as like hey like every woman's gonna want you basically is another way to say it like you would I have guess? your pick of any woman any and all w- w- women in the world I mean that's a that's really like, what I mean other... here not like you're Ron Jeremy the I... hedgehog <laughs> I mean dude <laughs> so <laughs> Fucking Ron Jeremy. I love how that's the go to. Ron the Hedgehog Jeremy. (laughs) I don't know. Like, man, I'm torn because, I mean, Robert has a point because, like, I mean, all we know is fucking like Ron Jeremy and maybe like Johnny Sins or someone like really fucking. What I mean to say is that you would have your choice of any woman on the in the world because you, yeah, but you could never play a video game. Like, dude. Video games this is like Weeaboo my fucking conversation we've ever had. Oh, this is not Weeaboo. Please, I can bring it to Weeaboo. If I just, like, but <laughs> you're like you don't Dude, even know Weeaboo yet. Okay, Colin. Yeah. Good. Sorry. No, like. Okay, so if you're, I mean, if you're like the most like like world renowned for your sexual pro- like, but the the thing is though, you can never play video games again. And the thing about that is like not and, and here, Colin, think about this in absolutes as well. It's not that you can never play video games again. It's that you have never played and never will play video games. 
So okay. So then at that at that point you're just not even me anymore. Basically. Like, yeah. So I think okay, so if if I was me without ever have played video games, without ever having experienced video games, I think instinctually a man would want to lean towards being well known for your sexual prowess. Right. Because if you're on, if if you're a person that's completely unimpressioned in this situation, you're gonna naturally lean towards being world renowned for your, you know, your sexual prowess. So I th- and I think many other men, like many other, if if you surveyed a bunch of men, like right now, just like a random sample of like a thousand men, I think a lot of them, and this is just speculation, I think a lot of them would lead towards being world renowned for their sexual prowess. Okay, can we can we so, please stop saying world renowned and just say renowned? Because <laughs> world renowned still draws like fucking Ron Jeremy in my head, which is like clearly not what you're going for, Jack. Like, Jack, what you're going for is basically like everyone talks about like, man, he was a good fuck. Not right? really ba- like they're talking about it either. It's just that you would, you, any barriers, you know, between you and having whoever you want to, you know, dating whoever you want to date are removed. It's basically like the essential idea I'm getting at. Okay, so not world renowned, so, but just rena- can we just say renowned, please? Okay, fine. I wrote down one word. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. But okay, so thinking from that that mindset, I would have to go with renowned for sexual prowess. Wow, and you'd give up your whole identity. No, but here's the thing, though. I, if if we're speaking from what I was talking about, I never really had an identity to begin with because I never experienced video games in the first place. Plus, it, I don't think there's much giving up your identity here because the question is literally: Would you like your identity to be video games or sex? Okay. Like, there isn't. Basically, yeah, there's yeah. not much gray area. You know what okay. I mean? Like, so you pick. Like, so it, you picked your. So that's yours, Con. Yeah, because like. I don't know because the thing is like being renowned for, for video game prowess like of course that would that would be the obvious answer for like for me obviously because I like video games so much but like if I, I never having played video games anyway then it, I'd probably leave towards sexual prowess I mean anyway, think about so. the video game option like obviously it goes without saying you're you're most definitely probably financially independent you're probably a millionaire Right, I mean, you are a pro at whatever game you want to be a pro at. You are, you have endorsements. Like it's a pretty lavish life. You're kind of like the Floyd Mayweather of video games. Yeah. Okay. But think well, about it this way too: sex is a universal. Like everyone has sex. Almost everyone to. has sex. Right. Whereas, you know, like basically, if you go into an elevator and you, and someone else gets on, they're not necessarily going to be able to talk to you about video games. But they could easily talk to you about sex. It'd be weird. In the elevator, awkward. It'd be, it'd be weird, but they'd probably have something to input rather than just, oh, I've never played Street Fighter. Right. I've never, I've never held <laughs> right. a control. It's, it's a lot more relatable. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah, very much more relatable. It's, like, it's the reason we're all here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my parents. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. gross. Now I'm right. thinking about your parents now. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> yeah. What's so up with both of you shaming your parents on the podcast? <laughs> hey, it's not shame. Are you saying that my birth was shameful? <laughs> Oh my god. You took that way, you took that way personal. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with Colin in in that wow. being renowned for like sex makes more sense when it comes to social stigma, right? Because like when you have your virginity tacked on, like 
you know, stories of like the 40 year old virgin or whatever, right? Like it's got a lot of social stigma to it. Whereas like people aren't going to make fun of you. Like, Oh, you're, you're shit at Tekken. Wow. You're, you're a piece of human garbage. Like, look (laughs) at you, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like no one's ever going to like, you know what I mean? No one's going to ever low blow you for being really good at sex. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good word choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That too. No. So, my other question is too in this situation, right? So, like, if if you have really good, like, if you're renowned for your sexual prowess, does that mean you kind of almost have like like very just very high charisma? Like, your fucking charisma is just like at one hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you put all your points so in that. Yeah. That, yeah. So, like, you could basically seduce anyone or basically bend anyone to your will in a way. You would have charisma, and I'm sure it'd be, I'm sure point. it'd be transferable to the opposite sex. But also, I would assume that you'd probably have right. members of the same sex probably hitting on you too. That's what I'm saying. That too. So like, yeah. So like, I mean, you could do a lot more with that, man. Potentially, so honestly, potentially, like, yeah. Potentially. So, yeah. I, I I think I think my decision still stands. Sexual prowess. So social status. Final okay. Answer. So it sounds to me like you're choosing social status across the world and across humanity rather than social status within the video game community. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I mean, because the 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 reason why I was so against this question the second you said it is because it's all absolutes. You know, it, it's this idea. Well, you're of trying like, to find the loophole, and I'm trying to seal the loophole. Well, yeah, but when you seal the loophole, like the thing is, you know, you're saying like, would you rather have really high charisma but have never played a video game ever? And it's like, I wouldn't know. Like, if that became me, like if I pushed that button and I woke up the next day like super charismatic, but I'd never played a video game in my life, I wouldn't know what I'm missing. Because I've never played a video game in my right. life. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's what I was coming. That's the where thing I was about it, from. though, guys, and I think we can both speak to this is that when I do meet people that are like, "Oh, I don't play video games," or they just like write it off, or they don't really know really what they're talking about. Like, "Oh, yeah, maybe I played Tetris a little bit, but that's it." Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I genuinely feel sorry for those people. I genuinely like. I'm like, man, you are missing out on like so much of what of creativity from from human brains like i i just feel like you're missing out on such incredible no, yeah, unique experiences I, like, I, like I, I actually have sympathy for people and they're like i don't play video games yeah no the thing is you won't find i, I agree yeah you won't you, find yeah. anyone on this podcast who'd say otherwise right like but at the same time you're asking would you like to wake up one day not know like erase all your memories with video games all your opinions of video games and just be good at being a charismatic person you know so it's like you don't know what you're missing once you've made that decision yeah it's true yeah yeah so in the same like in the same way like well that that, that's the reason why like i think the charisma is the right choice because like even if you chose like always a virgin forever a virgin right it's not like you don't know what you're missing when it comes to sex you know what I mean? Like either you're talking with someone or you stumble on that porn website, you know, like you'll know what you're missing at some point. Whereas like if you never play a video game, you can watch someone play like, I don't know, Forza and be like, oh, that's cool, I guess. But it's kind of more than normal now. Now people just normally just watch other people play. It's really right. strange rather than yeah. play themselves. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that question to me yeah. is a little I th- Well, easy. The, the thing I was trying to head off at the past is you being like, Oh, well, I'd rather just be world renowned for video games because the sex will come with that. <laughs> well, then the video question is, is real. Then the question is, would you rather 
be like wake up the next day and be very good at video games but not have a penis anymore <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. like, you, you can never have sex again the kind of thing like maybe you have a contract where you're like good at video games but the second that you you do sex it's over it's all over it's gone do sex son yeah you you, you sold your penis for <laughs> video games like, Lord. like yeah like sold your soul for rock and roll but yeah different <laughs> very different <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll put that in the different category yeah <laughs> So, welcome to the explicit. This is, this is like a yeah, yeah. This is the weird version of the crossroads. Yeah, this is our uh, explicit tag tiniest podcast. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed our episode. Uh, so, we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, so, Jack, you wanna you wanna show that uh, the contest you've been running? Oh for a yeah, while? hey guys, that's still going on. Um, let's get some more up there. I, I've seen a few come through, but. Uh, we definitely need a few more five-star reviews on iTunes. So uh, once you do that and also subscribe to our podcast and then follow us on Twitter and uh, tweet at us with, with the hashtag TDP, you'll be entered into our contest for new subscribers for a large cash sum. So uh, that's still ongoing, and I think it will continue through the end of this month. But don't delay it. It literally takes five minutes, and that would probably equal, like, I don't know, like what, like – $50 an hour basically so like you know like go ahead yeah go ahead and do that and and we'll make it worth your while yep uh, and don't forget to also follow us on Twitter um, at tiny disc podcast you can also email us at tiny com. you can also find us on Facebook where Colin moderates our Facebook group I believe just called tiny disc correct right right yeah yeah and I think I'm actually going to get our uh, like just a regular official Facebook page up and running as well uh, here soon uh, just because uh, just to take advantage of you know boosting posts and all that fun stuff very fun so uh, look out for that as well and then also email us at tinydiscpodcast at gmail.com also mm-hmm. we are going to start um, involving the community a little bit more here and in the next couple weeks or so we're going to start doing some uh, community uh, contributed would you rather questions so look forward to that too very nice yeah uh, so let's get on to individual individual social posts here where could we find you guys online uh, I'm Colin Amano on Twitter, a.k.a. at boo underscore underscore 55. Uh, at Jack Cepeda, J-A-C-C-E-P-E-D-A. Mm-hmm. And don't forget our official Twitter at Tiny Disc Podcast, right. uh, where you'll get show updates and uh, comment. shoot us with any comments, questions, concerns, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, let us know what you yep. think. And you can also find me, Robert, on Twitter at Penoptimist, P-I-N-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-T. And that should wrap us up for this episode. Um, we, again, we'll still have that spoiler cast coming in in a bit. Uh, so stick around for that if you're interested in hearing our full uncensored thoughts. <laughs> that has a weird sound to it now after that, would you rather? <laughs> I know. Um, what yeah, kind of Spider-Man f- movie did they make? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tune into that if you're interested in our thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming. And if you still haven't seen the film yet, uh, you probably want to tune out around here. So tune in next time for another episode of the Tiny Disc Podcast, and we'll see you next Thursday. See you on the other side. Hey, uh, if you're sticking around here, you're probably interested in some Spider-Man Homecoming spoilers, huh? So, welcome to the spoiler cast of Spider-Man Homecoming, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's newest film. Came out last Friday, starring Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. So, now that we don't have uh, spoilers hindering us, uh, what are you guys' like full thoughts of the film?
like okay let's let's maybe focus a little more you like the film right both of you kind of enjoyed the film yeah i like the film and i'm starting to fall in love with the hideous horrendous movie photoshop poster that's been going around that is like an abomination of design have you guys caught that yet yeah oh wait which one it's on the wikipedia page if you look there it's like the main image but man it's such a cluster <laughs> of, mm. of jank ugly but no i i do like the movie i think it's a great summer popcorn movie um i had great humor moments great action i you know overall i'm i'm warm to it yeah um i okay so i really enjoyed how funny the film was like i didn't expect it to be as funny as it was um, same oh yeah it was hilarious i was laughing almost damn new throughout yeah, the movie funny. like yeah. it was great i um yeah what they did with the film instead of just making spider-man funny they kind of um, they wrote everyone to be funny or to put everyone in like funny situations. Like Spider Man's best friend in this film, Ned, he is a you know a treasure trove of you know comedy moments. He's definitely the comedy relief. He's the Poncho Villa of this film. You know what I mean? Like the second. Yeah. Hey, so what are you what are you doing in here? There's a dance. Um, watching porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was you hilarious. Know, yeah. Do you lay eggs? Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's he's <laughs> yeah. definitely he's the humor of the film for sure, which I think kind of takes away a little bit from like what uh Spider-Man should be like because he should be the funny one in the film or at least the one who's trying to be funny because you know that's like kind of Spider-Man's gig while he's fighting. He's like a quippy, witty, you know, like smarmy guy. He's a family-friendly Deadpool. Yeah. I mean, you know, like that scene in the beginning with the the banks, like, hey, you're not the Avengers, right? Like, you know, that that kind of like silly banter is kind of what Spider-Man's all about. Um, And I guess Ned kind of balances out the humor because like when he's being Peter Parker, I think Tom Holland does a really great job of portraying Peter Parker in that like he's he's like weird and kind of socially awkward like i think of the scene when um he finally asks liz out to homecoming like there he was he was that sweaty you know like oh no what do i say like she's two years older than me and i'm just a sophomore like he nails that pretty perfectly i think in that whole scene oh yeah for sure Mm -hmm. so i think tom holland does a fantastic job of playing both peter parker and spider-man i think he's probably the best person to be cast for that role uh, better than both Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Like he uh, straight up reminded me of. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was the uh, the animated series from the nineties or if no, it was more like Ultimate Spider Man animated series. Peter mm. Parker. It reminded me a lot of that for sure, and it definitely it definitely caught that vibe. Right. Absolutely, hundred percent the best Spider Man movie that's probably ever been made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say yeah, that now. And like, where did John Watts come from? Like way out of left field. I'm not familiar with any of his previous works. The Same. director of this film, like what had happened? I mean, obviously the movie has a few issues here and there. Like I can get into later, but I was hoping that when Marvel finally got their, uh, mitts on this, on this character that they would do right by it. And, and they definitely did not disappoint. It was much better than I expected it to be much. Uh, I thought the pacing was excellent. Um, the music doesn't stand out to me so much. Same you know? here. Yeah, no, I can't really think of. Yeah. I can't point to musical elements because I think the music did play a bigger role in the uh, Sam Raimi uh, trilogy. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like honestly, like as much as I disliked Spider Man Three, I'll never forget like the black suit Spider Man theme. That dun, 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 there's, yeah, there is memorable music dun, dun, in those movies. Dun, 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 and, and where's Nickelback on this one, guys? <laughs> What's going on well, here? There's no they, Nickelback they, song. They went with a. <laughs> they went with a more um, 
classic rock kind of vibe at the beginning of the film. You know, they had Blitzkrieg Bop playing. They had um, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had a lot of, like, the license uh, picks for the songs, I think, were pretty good. They kind of felt very inspired by uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in terms mm-hmm. of, like, what mm-hmm. choice yeah. of songs to do. Yeah, they yeah they had the Ramones there at the end. It was pretty cool yeah. uh, touch. Uh, one thing I can remember as well, uh, I just watched this last night, um, about 24 hours ago, actually, since we're recording this now, but... Uh, is that the CG is kind of spotty in places. It's not very consistent. There's so, I remember there were some parts I was like, that looks real, real CG. And it's just not what you would expect from a Marvel film, I guess. You would expect that by this point, 2017, they'd have it kind of figured out. Are you referencing maybe the parts with the vulture? Uh, you mean the main character or the main villain? Yeah. So hold on, Michael. Yeah, there's some not necessarily. I was was thinking more of the Iron Man suit parts seemed a little spotty to me. Yeah, that's that's really what I'm thinking about. But but also, you bring up Vulture. That is uh, Michael Keaton's character, Mm -hmm. Um, and Michael Keaton. I'll always remember as the actual Batman. He is the real Batman in my heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Spider. The movie was Spider Man versus Batman. Well, no, it was actually. Spider-Man versus the Fury, or not the... Oh, I can't remember the character's name. I'm going to mess it up now. From uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, Kojima made that exact same uh, character. Have you guys ever seen... Have you guys played Metal Gear Solid Five? I did, but I can't I can't nope. remember any of the characters. Okay, I'm looking game. it up right now. But anyways... Uh, or not Five, sorry. Four. I'm misquoting completely. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. It's totally one of the bosses in that game. And is this... Are you is, thinking of Three, actually? Because the Fury is no, a boss No, no, no. I know. Fury is Three. No, I'm thinking of Four for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there, but four but, is like the beauty and the beast. Yeah, exactly. Yes, okay. and it looks like it has that the villain in that game has like a grenade oh. launcher and stuff. Uh, looks exactly Raging like Raven. This. Raging thank you, Raven. Raging Raven. Yeah, thank you very much. So that's exactly the character, and to the point where even Kojima went on Twitter and was like, "What the fuck." You know, they're like, this is like, my character. Is, Kojima's like, is, what the fuck? Well, essentially, really? I don't, he, I'm not quoting him, but that was his sentiment. And uh, like, is this a character from the comic books? The Vulture? Yeah. It is He's definitely a character. Did it look yeah, just Vulture, like this in yeah. the comic No. 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 He was um uh, if I recall from the comics, he he looked a lot less mechanical. He's like uh I don't know if it was like a suit like a special suit that he wore instead of like all these mechanical machines and shit he had going on. Uh tell me yeah. out, Robert. Do you know? Uh, I mean for one the vulture is way older in the comics i know that and he's yeah, definitely he not mechanical for sure there's a lot more feathers going on he you know like very bird like mm-hmm. uh whereas this this take on the vulture is definitely a lot more machinery steel like not steampunky but you know it's like cyberpunky almost you know it's yeah it almost reminded me of like sam raimi's take on the new goblin in a way yeah or like the hobgoblin quote yeah. unquote wow no it, it reminds me a bit too of um like especially that scene like toward the end when uh Peter confronts uh Tombs and you know in that like big garage and then Tombs calls in the flyer I got very like ending of Spider-Man like Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1 vibes mm-hmm, with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean look mm-hmm. at the picture I just put up in chat like yeah it's, it's exactly it, the same right, dude almost mm-hmm. it's Damn. way too close to be cool Kojima definitely called it out on social media like what's going on Yeah um, so that was I, one thing that was a distraction for me, but I thought Michael Keaton's acting, he, I just think he's underrated as an actor. I think he's a very good actor. And when I he agree. wants to be scary, when he wanted to be intimidating in that car scene, that was a very, oh. almost like, dude, that was a very, that was, yeah, that was scene. almost Tarantino-esque. 
I really yeah. thought that where, where they're driving to oh, the yeah, dance. I can, that I was can see that. Awesome. Yeah. No. Can we can we please talk that about that awesome. whole scene first? So, did either of you see it coming that the Spider Man's nope. like kind of girlfriend? is related to uh, hold on hold on i kind of feel like that was a cheap shot too i kind of feel like manipulated by that too because obviously you never would because uh the females are african-american or half african-american right, and he's Michael Keaton's white. white as white right like right so i almost feel a little manipulated by that and i've kind of learned like at just through life experiences to i kind of resent when when movie makers do that and just like manipulate me like oftentimes when like sad music comes on or something real dramatic happens i'm just like i'm just being manipulated right now like I kind of see through yeah. it and it just it, it doesn't give the punch that I want. But honestly, at the time, I was like, <gasps> you know, like a big gasp, yeah. like what's going on? But then now I'm thinking about it. I'm just like, I was kind of like a cheap shot in well, a way. So here's something that I noticed because mm-hmm. I watched it twice. I watched it once with like wow. a couple of my friends and then I watched it again last night with Colin because he needed to watch it for this cool. podcast. And um, what I noticed on my second watch through is actually the very first. Do you remember the very first scene of the movie? The first thing you see from the movie? Uh, Wasn't it? Yeah, the part where he's like, like, oh yeah, my kid's so smart or whatever, and he, she, he has like all the pictures of yeah, the Yeah, it's Michael Keaton drip. bragging about his kid to a fellow right. worker. Okay, and showing the showing the uh, uh, coloring drawing, right? Yeah, you know, and he's yeah. like, yeah, like when I was a kid, I used to play like cowboys and Indians. The guy's like, oh, it's actually Native American, you know, that whole thing. Like, right. he's the first thing he talks about yeah. is his kid, and yeah. then it moves on to like, I protect my family. I'm doing this for my family. Yeah, yeah, you know. So they do establish that he's a family man, but they only establish that he has a kid in that very first scene. And you know, you kind of assume with the word family, like a kid is involved, but they don't mention that he has a kid until it's explicitly stated the second he opens that door. And then the first, and then the first time you ever see her mom, I I feel like is that scene too, isn't it? No, you see her um, when they come back from DC. Uh, you see the only the mom, not the dad, yeah, okay. hugging Liz. Like you know, oh thank God you're safe. Kind of that okay. scene. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think I I remember. It has been a while since I've said oh shit out loud in a theater. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. I mean, it was it was yeah. a big it was a big moment. It was definitely the biggest like reveal in a Marvel uh, movie that I can remember yes. for a while. Yeah, like honestly. My it's funny because like when we were watching that and that scene happened, like my knee jerk reaction was like, wait, 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 wait. He took like this girl hostage. I was like, wait, no, 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 doesn't make any sense. He's not Spider Man right now. He's Peter Parker. He mm-hmm. doesn't know he's Peter Parker. And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I was like, oh, oh shit. And, and that scene too, it's really well done because it's coming off that little montage where he asks Aunt May like, help me out. I'm taking this really cute girl to homecoming and like I need to impress her or whatever and you know you see the montage of her like helping him dress up teaching him how to dance and all that stuff it's like a really happy music he's got the corsage he walks up to the door music dies it dies in a very mm. uncomfortable spot yeah <laughs> yeah the same second that yeah. door opens. and then stifler's mom answers the door yeah. and no music in that scene <laughs> it's dead silent he walks into the house it's so quiet while you're digesting what's happening mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden very loud the mother walks in hey peter and it's yeah. like it's so loud and jarring. It's like, oh my, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are they scene. so? Like, why are they so comfortable? It shouldn't be comfortable. Right. Right. It was. Yeah. No, it was, it was very well done. Definitely a standout scene for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I heard, I read some reviews, you know, saying that this the Spider Man movie is basically a uh, John Hughes film, you know, from the from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a high school feel good kind of film, and I, I like what they did with the characters. I like what they did with uh, Flash, the main bully. 
I thought that was really? pretty. Yeah, I like what they did. I like how they evolved him instead of being like a jock, like mm-hmm. bully. He was he was a lot different this time. So see, I yeah, I don't know. See, in the Sam Raimi films, they made him look like he could be one of the Backstreet Boys, <laughs> or he looked like he should, he belonged in Smash yeah. Mouth. Yeah, I, I don't know. My I think my only problem, like my problem with how they cast or how they wrote Flash in this film, is that he's supposed to be intimidating. At first, you know, he's supposed to be like someone that Peter's kind of scared of, not who Spider-Man's scared of, but who Peter Parker's scared mm-hmm. of, right? And in this film, every time he did something, it was just kind of like, he's like a child throwing a tantrum, you know, like, when I say yeah, penis, yeah. you say Parker. I thought that was like, hilarious. Ugh. I thought that was hilarious. That part I, actually is my favorite part of Flash movie it, in that movie. Of the whole film? Yeah, my, yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was so ridiculous. It was just like, it just made me laugh. Like, who actually, like, some writer sat down and committed that to paper on a script. (laughs) Like, that was the part that was fascinating to me. Like, this is actually in this film. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll I'll give you that. I didn't expect Penis Parker to be the uh, the thing to make it into the film. Yeah, I was was like, we're we're, we're resorting to penis jokes now. Okay. Um, No. No, dude. The best part of the whole movie, the best part of the whole movie is obviously Hannibal Burris as the phys ed teacher. That was cool. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And dude, that again, was that, great. he was the butt of many jokes too. That one girl, the real dry humor girl that says, oh, she just likes, yeah, she just likes drawing people in crisis. Like, mm-hmm. I, and then like later, you know, you see her, uh, after, uh, he loses the suit to Iron Man again, she, you see her drawing him too. I just thought like, you know, the, it yeah. was just very well paced, very well thought out. Um, mm-hmm. overall, the aesthetics of the film seemed just a little lower budget than I'm used to for Marvel again right. but maybe it led to that part of the charm of it um you know i don't yeah. fault the game or the game the i don't game. fault the movie yeah i don't fault the movie at all for that and it also had me thinking about the game that they showed at e3 as well too like it kind of ha- gave me a little more positive vibes as far as spider-man because i was worried for sure because i've already been burnt multiple multiple times on spider getting excited for spider-man movies right but but this one has kind of renewed my faith yeah, I, I kind of do want to revisit Zendaya too because she she plays as uh, Michelle, who at the end of the movie she says, you know, my yeah. friends call me MJ. Um, yeah, Disney Channel yeah. girl. So oh, that's um, MJ. Well, yes and no. No, they. Sh- hmm. So what? What the directors of? Yeah, that that caught me. I was like, yeah, I was gonna. I forgot about that. The part she's like, oh, I'm yeah, actually MJ. It's like my friends call me MJ, right? And the director came out and said that like that's meant to be more of an homage to like the Sam Raimi films because like Mary Jane Watson was the love interest in that, but she is like this Michelle character played by Zendaya is definitely not Mary Jane Watson. Mm-hmm. Is what they're saying. So, like, I kind of get where they're coming from, but it's still kind of weird to directly, like, like to one the name the character's name isn't Mary Jane, but to still directly basically take the nickname is kind of weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. it's no more. Uh, I don't get that. Yeah, um, but I do think she did an incredible job this film in being like just on the fringe of most scenes, but still like nailing everything she does like it's really funny every time she's on the screen and she becomes like this quirky weird but likable character i mean a lot of it is her performance but a lot of it also is the editing too i think that the editing might be a little bit of the unsung hero in this film when i start Mm -hmm. thinking about the action scenes and just the humor you have to get you have to nail the editing with that so uh, it's one of the few movies where i actually consciously thought about that and like want to look up now like hey actually who edited this movie and what else have they done because it's it really helps it the film have its own identity in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. 
Now, something I want to throw at you guys. How did you feel about the the final fights? Well, not the final, final fight scene, but the whole scene on the plane toward the end when it's Vulture v. Spider-Man. Did you find the action kind of hard to follow sometimes? Uh, I, I did, mm. but I thought it was maybe just because I was getting tired and I was starting to doze a little bit. Not because the movie's bad at all. It's just because I've been up since 630 that morning and it, it's mm. 1030 at night and in a dark you know, a uh, cold theater. I was just starting to get tired, obviously, but I definitely uh, was getting a little bit lost there at the end with what happened, but I was able to kind of parse it all together the next morning. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I guess, I don't know if it's so much that I couldn't follow it. I just, uh, oh, I, I think the, I think the thing that stands out to me about the final fight, about the, about the final fight the most is the part, where uh peter like carries vulture out right he like yeah. saves him and like they both fall on the ground and i was i was waiting for a scene right where they were like both laying there and they had of like some sort of like revel revelatory speech mm-hmm. with each other but it, like some sort of dialogue that like that and i was like waiting for it because it was because i was just kind of wanting that satisfaction and it just never happened and i was kind of sad because of right. that yeah, am I the only I one? I, mean, I wasn't really expecting something too big there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even if it was something small, but like the fact that they would like there wasn't any dialogue just seemed kind of odd. Yeah, to me. but I, I don't know. I I wasn't like I felt like I was longing for dialogue either. I think it was nice the way they ended it, where Peter does save his life and then kind of wraps him up and you know leaves that note. You know, found the vulture guy, Spider Man. Did you uh did you yeah. stay for the end credit scenes? Oh yes. Okay. Both yeah, yeah. So yes. oh, hold on. So we're talking about the end battle here real quick. So I just I don't want to gloss over that I thought the ending of the movie itself with the scene with Aunt May real quick, the WTF scene, I thought that was hilarious. What the fuck? Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think it was the perfect way to kind of leave you wanting more cuz like like now you at least know. Okay, now Aunt May knows. But yeah. It, it makes you so excited for the next movie because like what's the dynamic going to be now right because they, right. they've established that this yeah. version of may is very like very direct and very hot. very hip mm-hmm. and yeah and very sure hot. she's young and hot um i've dismissed uh, about that it's not the aunt may i remember but same <laughs> um but you know like there, there's the scene where spider-man loses the stark internship he loses the suit and then he comes home all sad you know and then may is just like cut the bullshit like i know you sneak out at night you know i know you skip detention etc like you know she shoots from the hip right right uh so it'll be interesting to see like what happens in the sequels you know when this is a world now where may knows that peter is spider-man uh i want to i want to talk yeah. about the next scene too after the uh initial uh final credits have you guys played far cry 3 yeah What's the name of that villain? Not all the way through, but uh, in Voss. Three? Voss. Thank you. I couldn't remember. One Voss, of the best yeah. video game villains in a very long time. Did you guys catch that was the same actor there that talks to Michael Keaton in the prison? Is that him? That's Voss, dude, from Far Cry. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. That is pretty cool. That's absolutely yeah. him. I'm, I'm wow. I'm yeah, glad I to see him is, getting huh? actual like real Hollywood work, man. That's really cool. And so. uh, you know, you know, you guys both know that Scorpion, right? Like in the universe. Wait. No, no, I had no idea. Scorpion is a Spider-Man enemy. He's a Spider-Man villain, yeah. He's yeah, a he's rogue a villain. Gal- yeah. Okay, and that's Scorpion. That's him. So yeah. Now nah, I don't even know Scorpion. who Scorpion is, dude. I thought I okay. knew all the Spider-Man villains. Gotcha. 
Um, yeah, so he's supposed to be Scorpion. So it'll be it's it's interesting to see that they're already like introducing him and you know confirming that we're bringing more Spider-Man villains to the screen. Seems to kind me of, that there's a lot of people slash animals in the Spider-Man world. Yeah, kind of. Sort I mean, of. I mean, with some exceptions like Sandman, Green Goblin, but a lot yeah. of them are. Well, yeah, there is like yeah, there's Vulture, ro- exactly, Rhino, yeah, yeah. Scorpion, uh, there's more. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, just an observation I had. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, it kind of definitely gets you hyped up for what potentially could happen in the sequel. I'm almost sure there's going to be a sequel to this. Oh, no, I mean, it's already you, confirmed. Is it a direct Spider-Man sequel, or is it just part uh, of the Infinity well, Wars? So so the plan is there's going to be the first like saga of the MCU is going to conclude, and I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's supposed to conclude with Infinity War and whatever other like movies they release that's directly related to Infinity mm-hmm. War. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Spider-Man Homecoming 2 or Spider-Man Marvel Spider-Man 2, whatever the sequel, the direct sequel to the Spider-Man film is, that's supposed to kick off the next like big story arc in the Marvel Cinematic Universe from what I've read. Okay. I mean, yeah, it opened this weekend with $117 million domestically, over $250 million worldwide. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely a hit. It's definitely the number one. Uh, movie of that weekend and you know it also is going to give some I think through word of mouth and through people like me that uh, didn't expect much and got you know way more than we expected in terms of quality with this film I think it's definitely going to give um, one of my most anticipated films of the year uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes a run for its money so I think it Spider-Man definitely has a shot for sure at being number one again next weekend um, we'll see we'll see what happens with Planet of the Apes it'll be an interesting fight uh, but you know, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing to watching both movies. You know, right? We can all be winners in yeah. my book. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the outlook for Spider-Man definitely looks good. I mean, the fact that we went to a 7:45 showing at one theater last night and it was mine, sold, mine was out sold out on too. a Tuesday mine was sold out night. Too. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up having to go to another theater and paying more, by the way. But seeing seeing the movie in another theater, nonetheless, because the first one was sold out like on a Tuesday night. That was yeah. nuts. Yeah. I- couple more things i wanted to hit on with this this film which is kind of cool so uh childish gambino mr glover yeah. he changed his film. name right he's not that, Dude, that name was, anymore honestly, right? he dropped that title yeah 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 aside from child era aside from hannibal burris that was my favorite highlight because donald glover slash childish gambino yeah. is my favorite um i think he did a pretty good job for like his small role there and um if i remember right in the uh marvel universe so he's the prowler Right, he's like a small-time criminal. You kind of see that when, um, when Karen, the suit lady, is like analyzing him and pulls up pro- his profile of his like you know his criminal record and stuff. They have like you know his name, aka the Prowler. Interesting. Who is the uncle of Miles Morales? Who I don't know if you guys are familiar with that name, but he's like the Black Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. Two. Miles Prowler. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Morales. Um, I'm deserted. Yeah, and yeah, the crimson yeah. spider. And you'll you notice in the film, like the scene where where Peter uh, where Spider Man interrogates Donald Glover. You know, with the interrogation protocol and whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Like that was a great oh, that scene. was really funny. Where his voice drops. He's trying, he's, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I almost thought that was a dig at Batman. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, 
tell me yeah. where all the girls yeah. are like, like, yo, I know what a girl sounds like, and that's not a girl. <laughs> the whole scene, like, that was great. Um, yeah. But, man, what about, what are you, you gonna let, undo my trunk yeah. for me, man? I, no, sorry, man, you deserve that, you deserve that. I, man, yeah. I got ice cream in here. That's <laughs> but yeah, what you'll that's, notice. That's the I, thing about this movie, sorry, real quick, that's the thing about this yeah. movie, is there's so many good humorous quotes that will yeah. stand the test of time that will be quoted. This movie will be quoted, which is very surprising. Yeah. Um, but what you'll notice too in that scene is that when he finally gives the information up to Peter, he says like, I got a nephew around here, you know, and like, which kind of confirms that Miles Morales oh, exists in the MCU. Yeah, so he's talking he about, so there that. might be a, right. a different Spider-Man down the road. Is that the kind of the door they're leaving open? Possibly. But dude, if we got the Crimson Whoa. Spider, I'd be Because well, what's interesting though is like Peter's still in high school at this point. You know, what I mean? like, he's still a young Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's a budding Spider-Man right now. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if they're really going to throw two young Spider-Men like out and about at the same time, but we'll wait and see, I guess. I mean, and then you also have that Venom movie, right? That has been already cast, right? With a uh, Tom Hardy uh, as Eddie Brock, right? I that's think, a thing. Uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah so that's uh, coming is, out too. Is that in the Marvel CU? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, because I always thought it was like a separate project. Okay. Well, so is Spider-Man not supposed to be in that one with Venom? That sounds like a weird movie. Don't know. Right. Um, Worth investigating. Yeah, I, I think, though, another great, great thing from the movie, the very, very final uh, post-credit scene. Oh, yeah. You guys stick around <laughs> for that? Captain America, yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, those were really funny parts, too. Anytime Captain America was, like, talking on a TV, this whole film, it was definitely hilarious. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, and I want you to listen to your physical education teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and take it from someone who's been frozen for 60 years. When you want to be cool, <laughs> yeah. follow the rules. <laughs> so lame. Yeah. yeah. He, he, oh, man. And, and <laughs> so you're in. If any, yeah. If anyone knows about body changing, it's me. <laughs> so you're in detention. <laughs> yeah. So you're in detention. Yeah. Corny, he's the, just like the most lame old grandpa character ever. It's perfect. Right. And then, and then the fucking gym teacher. I'm sure this guy's a war criminal by now. But like that was. <laughs> yeah. He's like, was I'm pretty so sure this guy's a war criminal, but I have to play this for you anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's like those little things sprinkled throughout the movie made that final mm-hmm. post credit mm-hmm. scene so mm-hmm. perfect. Like, I honestly, like, I haven't seen most like many Marvel films recently, but I haven't loved a post credit scenes like that since the um, the Avengers one. You know, where they're just sitting around in that, mm-hmm. like, they're just drinking coffee, just Interesting. chilling. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait did did you guys, uh, wait, Robert? Was it you that told me about the Hannibal Burris thing no. at the premiere? So, do, oh, you guys didn't hear about that. So, when uh, St- Spider-Man Homecoming premiered in ho- Hollywood, before the premiere, Hannibal Burris tweeted out, it's like, hey, I desperately, desperately need someone that looks just like me, and ca- and just and if you know anybody that looks like me, just email wow. me. What? So, what happened was, he, he got in contact with this dude, and basically, he had a doppelganger show up in his place to the Spider-Man Homecoming premiere, so he wouldn't have to show up. Why would Why would he not want to come to that? Just be, just to fuck with people, and this dude showed up and did interviews with like shut E-Network up, like those everything. are like online to watch. Dude, you could go oh, fucking watch a video hilarious. right now. It's so good. It says Hannibal Burris across the and screen. You can and tell everything. it's not him. 
It's you could How clearly tell it's the not him. Hollywood people then, dude, it was so good. Wow. And, he, and he was like, he's like, uh, so so, what was it like to play a phys ed teacher in a Spider Man movie? And blah blah blah. He's like, well, you know, when I was in high school, I had a bunch <laughs> of like, I had this coach or whatever, so and so that I really looked up to, and you know, just got to give a hundred ten percent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, dude, fucking played it off perfectly. Let me ask you guys. I mean, we're singing this song, this movie's praises for sure, but are there any? Is there anything about the movie that you didn't like or would like to have seen? maybe handled a little bit better well I, I the revelatory speech at the end of the movie for sure but um otherwise nothing really like i don't know i was kind of disappointed they didn't take the badass suit from tony stark that thing like, looks sweet I know, I know he's like i don't want to be part of the avenger i don't want to be a part of the avengers but i would be like yeah but i'll take the suit that though. was not <laughs> again another funny part where he's like i passed the test didn't i and then it wasn't a test at all and tony's yeah. like when he's explaining it to pepper he's, he's like, like uh we he just made a decision and we have no idea what to do now <laughs> we weren't expecting it so yeah, he's like he's like he was so mature but like yeah, we have yeah. no idea what to do now yeah um no i think that scene was really good but i'm also kind of glad he didn't pick up the spider the armored spider suit i think just because uh i want to see more development with karen like the suit lady i feel mm. like this film could have okay. seen a lot more of that uh so it'd be cool to see more i think in the next spider-man where he like really gets in tune with his suit and he's like fully optimal and actually doesn't have the training wheels anymore that whole thing i really hope and don't spoil me if you know the answer but i really hope that they don't pull a vision on karen and like have her like manifest and into a corporal being and you know and like be in a romance with the vision who used to be Jarvis like the AI like I hope nothing like that happens that'd be so corny and predictable I hope she just right. stays in the suit lady stay in the suit you're awesome in the suit suit lady yeah please do mm-hmm. that uh, in terms of other criticisms I have uh, cinematography especially during some of the action scenes kind of feel a little bit jarring I think uh, like it's it's following minute action but there's a lot of macro action happening in the in those scenes so I feel like there's a lot that's missed and it's kind of hard to follow sometimes um, I also think the film was almost too funny, and I thought I thought I'd never have to say that about a Spider-Man film, but I felt like it the humor almost became a crutch rather than letting you know it stand on its own. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that as an argument for sure. Like, I mean, it it's was very funny. One of the I very fun- much enjoyed I'm sorry it. Sorry, off, Kong. Good. It's absolutely no, one of the funniest uh, Marvel movies I can think of. Period. Oh, for sure. I'd also say oh, it's yeah. probably one of the few Marvel films that has an actually good villain. Yeah, I I, I, like, I felt for that guy. I mean, I, you could tell his motivation, much kind of like Dracula in Castlevania. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, I th- I thought it was um very interesting. Like, it, it seemed like they were like nipping the whole underdeveloped villain thing like right off the bat. Like they were just biting it in the ass right off the bat and just making sure like you set up the villain really well at the beginning and you already care about him before the movie even like or before you're even introduced to yeah. peter parker in the movie so that was cool yeah I like what, that, what i like with how they did uh tombs's character in this film is that it kind of makes you think you know if i were in his shoes would i start doing the same thing you know like would i be strong enough to know like sure i need to feed my family but this isn't the right way to do it or do i take that that ticket out and be able to keep my family afloat and you know put food on the table for them you know what i mean mm-hmm. it, it kind of creates this moral quandary when you look at like i mean what he's doing is wrong right but is it necessarily bad or is it for the greater good in his eyes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i uh <clears throat> i don't know i have a couple problems with the film um they're nothing major but 
<laughs> the scene, I mean, I already went into this film knowing it was going to be an homage to John Hughes films, uh, which I'm very familiar with, uh, pretty much his whole catalog. But I, so I already went in thinking this is going to be the feel good, you know, high school style um, Superman, or sorry, Spider-Man movie and Under Ruse. And, uh, you know, that's what that's what I got. And I just feel like there was a little bit less respect for the audience in some of the decisions that were made and what I'm talking about specifically is when he's running across the backyards okay mm-hmm. and you're like oh like at least me I was like this reminds me of uh, uh, Ferris Bueller and then they just outright show it to you on a TV like who's watching a flat screen TV outside while they're barbecuing that was a little strange just automatically on his face but then it's just yeah. like it was just way too on the nose for him like it would have been so much better if you had a little bit of respect for the audience to put two and two together and realize that's an homage to that scene because that's a very famous scene right in yeah. Ferris Bueller and so I was just a little bit like man they really think we're dumb and would never think of that until you know until you have to show it to us to know what you're doing and i mean there are youtube channels that are dedicated to finding that kind of stuff in films and and dissecting it you kind of cut those content creators off at the knees when you do something like that you know and just like look audience this is what i mean boom right there and then also like okay the ferris bueller kind of homage has kind of been played out already it already happened in deadpool like you got beat way to the punch on that like it's kind of like a rehash you're bringing up ferris bueller again for the second marvel movie so to me, that was just like a little like, oh, you know, so that was the only thing I thought they could have had. A, I, I thought they could handle that a little better and had a little bit more respect for the audience. That's really the only part of the film that bugged me, bugged me also. Well, that's not true. Also, like the big reveal, like obviously for obvious reasons, I felt a little manipulated into that shocker because let's be honest, right? If she was if that that character was a Caucasian, it wouldn't have been a shocking. Yeah, that's very it, they true. Used, they think. used race. They used race as a form of shocking people. And that's the part that. It kind of just rubs me a little bit uh, against the grain. Yeah. Oh, um, speaking of shocking, the uh, they kind of they kind of did like a throwaway character for Shocker, who is a decent like decent. <laughs> what a great big name, villain. too. By the way. <laughs> a wrestling name. It, yeah. People snickered. People snickered yeah. when they said the sho- You're the Shocker now. Like people were in my theater were like, <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> definitely laughing at that. Yeah, that, I thought that was pretty funny and like. <clears throat> yeah, they, obviously they're talking about like the, the bigger supervillain in uh, the Spider-Man universe called the Shocker, but like they even kind of slightly reference it because you see like the sleeves on his jacket and stuff like look like uh, the costume that Shocker wears in the comics for mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, like that, I, I it was kind of weird to me that they kind of made him just kind of like a throwaway villain, and he was just kind of gone or done with yeah. done by the end of it because uh, he is like a, a a larger scale villain in Spider-Man. I don't know if they ended up. I mean, obviously, they didn't really have any big plans for, for him, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool that they threw that in there, though. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they actually made the Vulture such an interesting villain, though, for sure. Yeah. Like, I see where you're coming from with, like, them kind of demoting Shocker a bit, but I'm more than willing to pay that price for actually having a very good, not just Spider-Man villain, but just a good Marvel villain. Also, the title around. Shocker, they've already established, is very uh, interchangeable. Anyone can be the Shocker. Yeah. You know, he's, they, it's like Doomfist. You know, whoever's got exactly. that gauntlet is shocker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I enough. think that still leads stands a reason that maybe they could bring that back in a more, um, you know, in a more meaningful way in the future. Who knows? I wonder how many Spider-Man movies they're going to make now. Um, but do you guys want to kind of circle into our final thoughts here on the film? Yeah, sure. Um, I can go first. So I think it's a really great film. I 
definitely recommend it. Like even if you haven't been following the Marvel universe at all, this is just a great, yeah, it's like just me. a great superhero film. I think it's uh, kind of one I think that'll stand the test of time as like a good superhero film, one that really isn't easily forgettable, and one that kind of epitomizes, you know, your good superhero tropes. You know, the idea of like they get their powers, and then at some point their powers are taken away and it helps them become stronger or, you know, somehow they're like limited. So they find a different way to get around it and they make themselves more powerful. And through that, you know, stronger character, all that kind of stuff. Um, It kind of hits all the nails on the head when it comes to a superhero film, but it hits them so very well. Um, And on top of that, it's pretty funny to boot. So overall I'd give this film a really great, you know, like recommendation. I couldn't recommend it more, and I think a lot of it, though, just becomes or comes from me having a very low expectation for it. Um, and who the heck is this director still? Like, I don't know. He totally came out of left field with this. I think he did a great job overall. Obviously, you know, I've, I've aired my grievances with the film I have already, but those by no means are any reason to not see the film. I think it's great fun. Um, I think that uh, Tom Holland was in danger, though, of having like almost every scene stolen by the guy who played Ned, his friend. And I yeah, love to see, yeah. Um, I mean, he's kind Mr. of the standout Batalo. breakout. What's that? I think his uh, I forget his first name, but I think his last name is Batalo. Yeah. I think he stole like almost every scene he had with Peter. And I love the scene where he's spinning in the chair. He's like, I'm the chair guy. Like <laughs> I love that part. And yeah. uh, I, I hope that he gets more work. I hope that he breaks out. Cause I don't know what other things he's been in or whatever, but he has a great comedic presence. And I could see him, you know, uh, uh, extending into other films. I almost want to see him in a movie with Will Ferrell, like, or something Ooh. like that, right? Like, that would be That'd hilarious. Be yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, uh, I thought he did a great job. I'd love to see him break out. Um, we'll see where Tom Holland's uh, career goes from here. I mean, what's he headed? He's Nathan Drake now, right? Like, shit. Yeah. Oh, great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I thought uh, overall it was it was a fantastic movie. I didn't like you know I was really really hoping that we're finally going to get a fucking decent Spider Man movie. You know, if anything, because we haven't. I don't know. Like I really liked the Amazing Spider Man, like the first one. I really liked it because they I th- they just did the origin story of Spider Man like a lot more justice. I felt like in that movie than they did in the Sam Raimi films. Um, but otherwise, like, I think this is, like, the Spider-Man movie that we've needed. Um, definitely since, like, you know, that, you know, Spider-Man's actually part of the MCU now. So, I don't know. It, yeah, it was a very, like, it, it was a very awesome movie. It was a very important movie for Spider-Man especially. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where they take the it. The hero next, we need, sure. not the one we deserve. Okay, Batman. Right. They say that a hero can <laughs> yeah. save us. That's all I was God. missing. Nickelback, Not you know? Yeah. Take you. Nickelback away. would have just pushed it over that. It was final actually Chad. Actually, no. That was Chad Kroger featuring the dude from Saliva, and then I think you the know way too much about that to claim you're a cool guy. Same. I have, I have, dude. I have the original Sam Raimi Spider Man soundtrack. Oh, so. I can't even judge the first CD I ever bought. Like when compact discs were still like crazy new was a, the Jurassic Park soundtrack on CD. So, fun okay. little fact. Ooh, yeah. not a bad choice. I know, yeah. it's, it's definitely stood the test of time, right? That soundtrack has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. All right, that's oh, enough yeah, for me. Sure. Yeah, we've been podcasting yeah, almost three hours. I, so. I don't think we can stand the test of time anymore. <laughs> we've been recording for a while. Um, no. so yeah, I hope you enjoyed our first spoiler cast. Let us know if you want to do more of this kind of stuff, because, I mean, it was, I think it was kind of fun, you know, being able to talk so freely about such a new uh, project. 
Yeah, and there are yeah, yeah there are no yep. shortage of big movies and things coming out as well too. Maybe we can do spoiler cast on games too. Uh, who knows? Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, let us know your feedback, what you think, uh, and how we can change it up. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I guess we've already signed off on the normal thing. So we'll hit you next week. Uh, probably we'll see if there's another spoiler cast there. Uh, so tune in next Thursday for another episode. See ya. Yeah.